high in the Tibetan mountains. It has taken several days on our initial ascent to the first camp. As we climb ever higher into the abyss, I can't help but feeling as if we will never reach our destination. However, no matter what, we must press on if we are to uncover the secrets of ancient levitation. The monks here are said to possess great power and the ability to levitate themselves and their objects in a manner that is quite irregular. But I doubt the extent of which will be on display for us if we do indeed reach the temple. But only time will tell, as the frozen winds of Everest work their way into our bones, slowing each step to an agonizing crawl. We must be getting close. We just have to be. On our final day of the climb, we had a stroke of luck with the weather, and we were able to make our final push to reach our destination. As we rounded a large section of boulders, I could feel a vibration beneath my feet. And then... <gasps> good God, man! I could not believe my own eyes as a massive stone block floated itself above my head high in the air and rested on a cliff ledge well above the temple. As we moved along a perfectly aligned pathway towards the temple gate, we could see twenty monks with large horns positioned in a strange way facing a distant rock face. Behind them were another section of drummers. I had found the source of the vibrations. Somehow, these men have discovered the secrets of ancient levitation. Anonymous Explorer, 1899. The ancient wisdom of Tibetan monks is still on display to this very day, but it is only a small piece along the journey of understanding the amazing feats of ancient engineering in our world. Whether it be the Great Pyramid of Giza, the enigma of the basalt heads of the ancient Olmec in Central America, or the Easter Island heads of Rapa Nui, we have only begun to scratch the surface of understanding our ancient past. However, there have been some who throughout history have appeared to unlock some of these very secrets. One such man is the focus for tonight's show. A small, strange, yet kind individual who all alone, without modern machines, was able to quarry and erect over 1,000 tons of limestone into something incredible. Quote, I have discovered the secrets of the pyramids and have found out how the Egyptians and ancient builders in Peru, Yucatan, and Asia, with only primitive tools, raised and set in place blocks of stone weighing many tons. Edward Leeds Scaldman, 1940. Join us tonight on Into the Portal as we attempt to unearth the secrets of ancient levitation, the Earth's magnetic grid, and the enigma that is the legendary Rockgate Park, better known today as Coral Castle.
So the legend of Ed Leeds Galvin goes. He claimed to know the secrets of the Egyptians and had harnessed a form of anti-gravity magnetism to lift immense blocks of limestone weighing up to 30 tons. Ed had only received a formal education up to grade four and had come from a poor Latvian family. However, despite this lack of education, Ed was a sponge that soaked up everything around him. He learned the family trade of stone cutting and by the time he reached adulthood, he was an expert in everything from tombstone cutting to working on the finest stone castles in Latvia. After being left at the altar by Agnes Scuffs, his sweet 16, Ed decided to move to the U.S. from Latvia. Ed wandered North America for a while, ending up in Cranbrook, British Columbia, for a time before heading back to Spokane area to work in the lumber trade, where he most likely contracted tuberculosis that would plague him for the rest of his life. In the winter of 1922-23, Ed purchased two acres of undeveloped land in Florida City and began a 20-year construction project known today as Coral Castle, although Ed never called it that. The construction was done entirely in secret and appeared to be operated by one simple hand crank attached to a magnetized flywheel. This intriguing apparatus was accompanied by other strange elements, a tripod with a mysterious box on top with levers and pulleys extending downward into a pit where Ed would quarry his limestone blocks, and neighbors reported singing coming from the property during times Ed was at work. However, Ed's most amazing feat came in the 1930s when he decided to move his beloved Coral Castle to a new, more private location. Ed hired a driver to help him move the blocks to the new location and insisted on complete privacy, always moving the blocks by himself. In one instance, the driver came back early unexpectedly to find all the blocks loaded within a mere half hour. The mystery grows deeper, as Ed always used a secret code for his notes and many works of writing, none of which have been successfully deciphered. Many believe Ed's riddles contain esoteric secrets from the past that we have since forgotten, while others ridicule the legend and scoff at the idea of a feeble man accomplishing the construction of his magnum opus, Rock Gate. But the physical evidence remains overwhelming, and the legacy of Ed and his beloved sweet 16 remains alive in the minds of those willing to explore the impossible and unravel the cryptic riddles of a most peculiar Latvian man. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're back with yes, we are episode indeed. 11. Episode 11, coming um, at you guys. And Rock it's Gate. Rock Gate. Yeah. Yep. Or better known as Coral Castle. Yes. We wanted to stick to Ed's original name, the place, though. That's which right. Just in his honor. Yeah. So, I mean, the focus of the episode is on this guy, Ed, and mm-hmm. this the construction of this just very strange place. Very strange. And like you said, is now better very, known as Coral Castle. Very but impressive. It's Still extremely impressive. Exactly. It's kind of become a fixture, a Florida fixture, one of the yeah. sideshow routes or, or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, attractions. Like, it was a part of, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, people speculate on is why exactly was it built there? Why did Ed go build it there? Some say because he had tuberculosis, was going for warmer weather. Others mm, say it's because the sun. Earth's magnetic grid, there's a good spot that he found there. Yeah, uh, so I yeah. guess we just need to cover a little bit more detail we as do. opposed to, yeah, diving right into all the theories. We're, we have some special guests with us tonight. We do. Uh, yeah, a special interview with the Mad Scientist hosts, or Mad Scientist podcast, I should say. Yeah, uh, Chris hosts, and Marie. Chris and Marie. Yeah, so mm. we're stoked on that. Yeah. But... We wanted to give a little more tidbits on Ed because his background's really interesting. Exactly. Yes. So what do you got? Well, 
He was born in Latvia, um, January 12th, 1887. He, uh, yeah, he was an immigrant. He did migrate to the U.S. Um, when he was about 20, 23. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting man, though. He came from a family of stonecutters. As we mentioned in our introduction, our right. little bio on him. Which could have obviously played a role in his ability to create such an impressive work, mm-hmm. but maybe not the whole the whole piece of the pie, so to speak. <laughs> there had to have been something else. Well, then we'll get into that. So, anyways, what, what drew you into this story? Let's cover that, maybe. Yeah, sure. I mean... Any, I guess I didn't actually know about Coral Castle or Rock Gate until I started looking into just the idea of like sonic levitation in general. And mm-hmm. then that's when people, I mean, there's a million articles out sonic there. Sonic levitation. Yeah, right. Specifically. So like with sound. Okay. Um, but then you come up with all kinds of stuff and, and a lot of it's very, you know, out there theories on like the pyramids and levitation and stuff like that. But then it just sort of, I yeah, just stumbled upon Coral Castle, and then we listened to and were inspired by the Astonishing Legends episode Mm -hmm. on Ed, and just the idea that this guy weighed 100 pounds, he had tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. he was not, he was malnourished Mm -hmm. by all accounts. Yeah. And very tiny man. He was about 5'3. He was tiny. Maybe 5'5 tops. He did always overestimate his height when he had to list like there's paperwork where right. he, he's enlisting and anyways yeah he liked to exaggerate <laughs> but but he, it's just interesting because it's like yeah i don't i i believe in the idea that there are simple physics applications of simple physics that have been lost and it's not necessarily all magical but the fact that this guy was so tiny and a thousand tons of Even just stone. the photos, right? You see the photos of him and his tripod and him at work. And he's literally like a tenth of the size of this yeah. like apparatus that right. he supposedly constructed single-handedly. Yes. And operates single-handedly. And did so at nighttime. Right? All at like night. Like we mentioned. And mm-hmm. so that people wouldn't see him. And the question is whether or not he just did that because he's an eccentric or was he really wanting to keep something secret Some because sort of esoteric knowledge you know, or maybe something didn't want it to fall in the wrong hands or whatever maybe i don't know or maybe he was slightly jaded and he didn't want to share it with the world now that's the theory yes it is so yeah that's kind of interesting though so you let's dive into the whole there's a bunch of different theories and a lot of them involve similar ideas but different expressions i would say and some of them are definitely more Outlandish. Yes. And I guess the most basic is the one that you've already mentioned, simple physics. He's just using stuff that knowledge that is there for us. We all know it. We just choose not to use it because we have machines. Right. And because the industrial revolution happened. Yeah, we, all we, this stuff. we headed down a, a path that was going a different direction and acquired more knowledge along that path, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean that ancient knowledge is lost, but it's just it's it's there in the peripheral vision of exactly. culture, so not to speak. in the mainstream, yeah, by any means. So, but the question is whether or not Ed tapped into that. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating to me. So your fate, well, your topic of interest is the sonic levitation. So let's yeah. dive into that one first. Sure. So that was, yeah, the, the reason we did the intro, chose to do the intro, we right. did with the um, the reenactment of the uh, the ascent of Everest in Tibet mm-hmm. was because one of the articles we stumbled across early on in researching this show was... it Everest? Was... It's not Everest. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Tibet. Is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, but anyway, 
yeah, like in general though, Buddhist monks, Mm -hmm. um, being able to, uh, through deep meditation individually achieve personal levitation. So Mm -hmm. actually be able to levitate themselves, Mm -hmm. but then also kind of more significantly for this episode, large groups of them using basically these massive didgeridoo looking monk horns Mm -hmm. and drums in a certain orientation and formation Mm -hmm. and shape to levitate objects. And there are accounts of this happening Mm -hmm. and they are peer reviewed accounts. So peer reviewed. Yes. Uh, so because um, I have some sources that are definitely not okay, peer well you, reviewed. Let's let's hear that first. Okay. Oh, okay. We're okay. just gonna get into the nonsense right off. The yeah. Bat, let's. Eh? We, we, yeah. Well, okay. I did come across this book called Anti Gravity and the World Grit. Okay. And it's by two individuals, one Bruce Cathy, and edited by David A. Childress. I will get into the. Uh, reputations of those two individuals in a second here but yeah so they had a chapter in this book anti-gravity in the world grid called diamagnetic gravity vortices um and they basically they discuss the role of ley lines and the earth grid as a geometrical flow right of like gravity energy in the structure of the earth itself that's a quote from the book okay so anyways they reference this german publication um sourced from this swedish dude he was a civil engineer called henry jelson Kjell Jelson. Maybe it's KJ. Yeah, that's who's mentioned in the article I have here as well. Interesting. Okay, so, okay, so multiple references to the same guy where he, yeah, he basically had a friend, Dr. Jarl. Dr. Jarl. Dr. Jarl. Okay. Yeah, who went into the high mountains of Tibet and basically came up with this amazing story of these stones being being levitated levitated in an arc type pattern like it's like almost like described as a third of a circle where they're standing they are standing in a third of the circle themselves yeah and then they're basically concentrating the energy into into that exact point where the stone's located right right and then what happens is what they describe okay this is a quote here During the first four minutes, nothing happened. Then as the speed of the drumming and the noise increased, the big stone block started to rock and sway, and suddenly it took off into the air with an increasing speed in the direction of the platform in front of the cave hole, 250 meters high. Wow. After three minutes of ascent, it landed on the platform. Continuously, they brought new blocks to the meadow, and the monks, using this method, transported five or six blocks per hour on a parabolic flight track approximately 500 meters long and 250 meters high. Crazy. And then they say here is, from time to time, a stone split, and the monks moved the split stones away. Quite an unbelievable task. Yeah. So, very interesting, the power of that sound. Obviously, if there was... um, yeah, some sort of um, fracture in the rock that it could definitely be exploited and penetrated and burst right, the rock. Right. That, that's very fascinating. Yeah. So definitely. what was your, you had a peer review oh, account? Oh, okay. Well, it's it's basically going over the same account from mm-hmm. this uh, Dr. Jarl. Okay. Um, but it's from Humboldt State University. And oh, And okay. it's, it's essentially going over the same things that you just mentioned. It's a bunch of uh, diagrams okay. of the account. And you know what? <laughs> there actually isn't an author on this one. Really? Believe it or not, if I dug deeper... It's I... not a Bruce Cathy or David Childress? No, it doesn't seem to be. But, nevertheless, <laughs> it's essentially saying that the the 
like how specific the account was and the mm-hmm. diagrams that he drew to go along with it. Mm-hmm. He, there was nothing preceding this that would indicate that he would be making it up. Same and, Dr. Jarl, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the, just the level of detail for his, in, he, he was there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like he was making it up is what this article suggesting. And I, I tend to agree. Yeah. I actually read too, that he sort of had written that when he went to Tibet, he was, he kind of went with the presupposition that he was going to be under some sort of mass hysteria, some sort of like delusion of everyone. So he, right. he was kind of going to it being very skeptical yeah. and very, and this definitely wasn't a pre-reviewed source, but I saw another little bit that he, because of his incredulity, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes, you are. Um, he, he filmed it. He filmed it on two occasions. And his really? film was apparently confiscated and deemed classified by this British society. That It was like a British archaeological society that he oh, was working wonderful. with. And uh, yeah. Isn't and then, that just typical? I know, right? So it did sound very conspiratorial. And I was like, really? Okay. Like, it's tough to say one way or the other. It I mean, really is. I, I, would, I really want to, I'm leaning in the, uh, the direction of belief with this mm-hmm. account. And the fact that it has been. You're leaning with it, hey? I'm leaning with it. Um, (laughs) but that's, yeah. So the Tibetan monks, and that's still something on display today. It's not on display like a tourist attraction, Mm -hmm. but I'm of the mind, you know, we've got a friend who's in Tibet right now. Yes. And he's not specifically going there to find ancient levitation. No. But I told him to ask around. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so we'll see what Josh can come up with there. Yeah. Put you on the spot, buddy. Yeah. So that's, that's fascinating though. This idea that you can like manipulate matter in such a way to create some sort of anti-gravity field. Right. And I guess the question of this is whether or not something similar was, you know, whether or not Ed knew of something similar, some similar technique. Cause he and was all about the magnets. He was all about the magnets, but this is where the sound aspect comes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, does the, the, uh, orientation say for like the levitation of the mm-hmm. monks, does their certain orientation of horns and drums and their location where they're actually doing this? Yeah. Uh, you know, is the sound just a part of the creation of energy, right? Like, is the because sound is just like the one waves. way? It's of, the energy waves. Right. And right. are those waves oriented in such a way to like change, you know, like the matter in the air, basically like particles. So like what we're getting into with Ed is and particles are magnets. Well, okay. Right. And just before we get into that, sorry. Yeah. That has been, proved yes. right like sound waves we hear sound but it's creating energy waves right. and we watch that youtube video the smarter every day which is in our sources yeah um and that that demonstrated it showed that the standing wave that can be created by two identical sound waves colliding in such a way that they create this pocket where you can levitate like say like it's a very small pocket mind you so they're levitating droplets of water Right. And they had them all in a string. It's amazing. And I was like, this is magic. It's crazy. Well, it looks like that, right? It's crazy. But, but that's anyways, on such a small scale, but it does it, work. And, you know, like the model of that, when you see it, because they actually, they illuminate it with, uh, I can't remember if it's dry ice or just some sort of smoke, so you can kind of like see the, the patterns of the air. 
but it definitely reminded me of Ed's drawings of the double helical magnetic field model thing. Right, which we'll touch on it, it, um, in our theory section at the end because he yeah. wrote a couple of books, and we're going to discuss those in exactly. a little bit with, uh, with, with Chris our, and Marie. With our experts. But um, we'll touch on that again at the end because it's yeah. really interesting. And his Sweet 16 the, and yeah. all that stuff because he supposedly built this mm-hmm. castle for his Sweet 16. Right. And we're just about ready to get into this interview with these guys. But I guess there was a yeah. couple other things that we should mention. There was. Them. And even just on the note that we're on right now with the idea of sound and magnets. Yeah. I came across this guy, this Michael Tellinger guy. And I'm not saying he's like, he had some pretty outlandish ideas. And he went on a tour called Hidden Origins in 2017. He's, he's kind of a crackpot. He's a, he's a South African flat earther, yeah, he's, um, he's among a, other things. Yeah. It's kind of a nonsense purveyor. Yes, he is. And he was using, he basically said that everything is sound and magnetism, that sound creates magnetic fields. Interesting. And then he did use the example of that UCLA video, right? Uh, which we'll touch on in greater detail with Chris, because he'll yeah. be able to explain a lot better. Yeah, exactly. But very interesting, though. Um, his, yeah, like his sources are credible, but they're a launch point because other yeah, people talk about the same stuff, and exactly. including it. Exactly. So he, ba- yeah, he did create this connection between sound and magnetism. Right. And I didn't even really end up watching the whole thing because it was so ridiculous. But the That's premises okay. he started off with from UCLA were quite interesting. So on that note, um, yeah. Well, I did have one other thing to say about Ed before oh, we jump into the interview. Of course, of course. I mean, because yeah, yeah. I think we, we got it. We got it. Well, let people know a tiny bit about i mean we we already just gave the brief just, overview how he you know started in Latvia doing his thing stonecutter background comes to america yeah right but he obviously you know he was in canada for a little bit and then mm-hmm. he traveled through down the pacific north pacific west coast working in logging working in mining were were did his work in these industries add to his ability to achieve what he did in terms of making tripods and leveraging crazy things so that was one thing but before mm-hmm. he even left europe i think it's important to mention that ed was not just a tradesman working away no he was a revolutionary mm-hmm. against the czar czar nicholas ii because he was obviously under the dominion of russia and mm-hmm. Latvia, and he killed a couple of cops his he was, family yeah. was killed by revolutionary opposition he was hc hardcore he was hardcore mm-hmm. he ended up going to the uk for a little bit it was a part of an anarchist movement in the uk mm-hmm. and, and he then somehow... he comes over to north america and he's just growing vegetables and he's this feeble little nice guy but, and that obviously can explain a lot of maybe his attitudes and his reservations for maybe why he didn't... Possibly. He was speaking in these riddles that you read. Possibly. It, it is quite interesting to think that that could be an underlying motive for why he wouldn't share these amazing secrets that he potentially could have had. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if you think about it, he actually was almost trying to put out his ideas, right? Because he was publishing these pamphlets, putting these advertisements out, and trying like you know what i mean they like, just happen I, to be obscure yeah but very, we'll touch on that anyway very, i think very, it's about time well yeah oh are you ready you got one more thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm just excited i'm just getting excited. i know i know i know uh i guess yeah that really does yeah like we will touch on we'll we'll have our own conclusions after the interview and yeah i guess we'll jump straight to it then all right guys so without further ado yeah without further ado here are the uh the notorious chris and marie from mad scientist podcast well, hello, you guys. Welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Glad to have you. So thanks so much for being on. Thank you. So, 
we, you guys are the experts on pretty much everything that we're going to get yeah. into for this episode. So Which is why we experts have you here. Is a, experts is a strong word. Uh, for what we are. Like, that's an extreme. <laughs> that's that's an extreme an, Yeah, word. that's put a lot of pressure on us, guys. I don't know. Right, <laughs> I don't okay. know. You're, you're familiar with that. then. How about that? Very familiar. All right, that's fine. You've done some research into this before. Yeah. So we wanted yeah. to pick your brains. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I figured, like, yeah, best spot to kick it off is like, Let's get your guys' take on Ed and on Coral Castle. Just yeah, your 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 elevator pitch take on Coral Castle. <laughs> so I think Ed is the kind of guy for whom, uh, lifelike, uh, female dolls were made. Mm, <laughs> interesting. Dude, that's right? cold. Do you guys know what I mean? <laughs> they like sell them. Cold. You know, they're yeah. like eight thousand dollars or something. They're crazy. Yeah, th- I get that. Yep. Mm-hmm. More yeah. Or like, more. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Or like the kind of person who kind of um, develops their own language mm. and then only talks in that language to like himself. <laughs> right. Like kind of mm. like if Ed had lived, if Ed had, if he had chosen a different path in life, I think he could have been as imaginative as say like J.R.R. Tolkien, where it's like, you develop so much of your own internal uh, world, your own internal uh, thought process and ideas and mm-hmm. philosophies and whatever that uh, then you just kind of unleash them on the world. And like out of nowhere, suddenly it's like, oh, my God, this that's wild that this person has been thinking about all this stuff for so long. Yeah. The only difference is that he thought his internal world was real in some ways. Right. So it's like he obsessed about this idea and these processes and stuff, and they are legitimately cool. But I think anytime you have like an eccentric like that who just obsesses about one thing for so long, even if the thing they obsess about is something like most of the time, the people that obsess about this stuff, it's something mundane. Right. It's like, you know, they're super into cars or like old gas cans or Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Yeah. Sure. With him, he was obsessed with kind of this. Uh, these physics, uh, these physics, what appear to be tricks, but are really just simple applications of physics in ways that we don't have to do anymore because we have, you know, machines and and things that can do the heavy lifting for us, you know. So that's kind of my take. Like I think he's, he, it's unfortunate that he, in my mind, it is weird and unfortunate that he decided to focus his attention on this one random thing. As opposed to, like, I don't know, solving, like, you know, the energy problem. Yeah, like, like he obviously was on something he could have yeah, focused he was, on. Yeah. And he was obviously very well. smart. Like, he was obviously, I think, so I don't know if he was onto something with what he was doing. I think he was, I think he was smart. I think he was good with physics. I think he had a, a clearly he had, like, a mechanical mindset. And yeah. kind of a, almost a, um what's the word almost like a talent for mechanics in some way sure but mm-hmm. and, and i wish that he'd apply that in a different way than just like making this big weird thing right <laughs> you oh. know? dude okay, I, Maria, I, I have to you. take <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta take some slight umbrage with dr cogswell's <laughs> hypothesis <laughs> i think that i think that uh one i think it's interesting that he did it in florida right so he right. did it sort of what is now in the theme park Okay. You know, the, mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest name of theme parks probably in America is Florida. And he you know, he did put his energy towards something that was really 
weird, but it was also really lasting. You yeah. know, so it's not just like it's this it's this weird external, you know, obsession that he's that's not easily replicated today by the same means. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of why I think it's interesting because it's like you can go to, you know, you can go to uh, Universal and go see, you know, Harry Potter. Or you can go to Disney World. But, you know, there's this this park that's basically just a bunch of rocks. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it doesn't but sound still... super exciting offhand, but then it, but it actually yeah. is. It's just so cool, though. Yeah, but it's still it's still drawing them in. There's still yeah. this mystery and sort of this this strangeness around it that I think is sort of as interesting as if he did do something more external for the world. Cause you can well, argue think, that he kind of in some ways did. I was going to say, if we look at it in, if we look at it as a, as a work of art, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. I think he mm-hmm. did. And I, I think you should consider Coral Castle a monumental achievement of kind of human artistry and like the ability of an individual person to, like, have you guys watched any of those? So I'm like a total, I'm a really weird, I'm a super weird with what I watch on YouTube. But if you guys <laughs> ever watched those videos, it's called, um, I can't remember what the guy's channel is named totally, but it's something like, uh, it's something like Stone Age technology or something, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And this guy videotapes himself building, like he starts with just his hands and a pair of khaki shorts. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he ends up building, like he builds himself a working, like a hut. Out of clay that has a working furnace, oh, and he's able yeah. to actually I've smelt iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He smelts. That. He he gets so far that he's like smelting iron, and then he's like, totally. "Oh, I'm going to start over again." Oh, right? Prim- primitive technology. Primitive, primitive technology. technology. That yeah. is the name of the video. Just yeah, that, that was the name of the series. He's amazing, and in the same way, like I wish that there was some. I wish that there was some sort of like video or chronology or some kind of instructional guide that this guy left that that ed left behind that would be like well this is what i did this is how i did it whatever right and you know the the part of it though that i really love is i love the fact like the coral castle proves that one person with enough time and energy dedicated to it can build a monolithic stone structure by themselves right like hit the coral castle should if anything completely disprove and completely blow out of the water every stupid ancient alien hypothesis out there right hey, there's a one new season dude, coming out man of course there is because you know you know giorgio gotta get gots to get them checks oh yeah um it's like you know this, this one alien money this one dude moves to florida with like not a lot of money he moves over here from latvia he builds this ginormous structure over his lifetime and still people are like, how did he do this thing? Well, if he was able to do that, then like 10,000 ancient Egyptians definitely built the pyramids. Yeah, totally. Right? Oh, no, like, sure. of course they fucking did. Yeah. But instead what happened is the ancient alien folks flipped it around and are instead like, no, well, that this guy must have had alien help too. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This craziness. Crazy. No, it, totally. It's insanity. But I think oh my god! Like if you put it, if you if you set aside the idea of ancient aliens just for a moment, which I know is I know it's hard, but you can never do if that. You look right. at him. If you look at sort of like him and his singularity of focus, and the length of time that he took to build versus again versus mm-hmm. a theme park, 
right? Which was again sort of this singular notion from some from from some person who again like Disney himself or it, but had it writ large into sort of propagating almost into this hive mentality to build this huge structure and this huge you right. know, enterprise. I, to me, it's like the difference between the two people. I'm not, you know, I'm, I am drawing a comparison, but it's just an interesting, again, it's this, because of proximity, it's sort of this interesting comparison between the two. This no, one guy definitely. who's like, who is like, you know, again, he's like maybe 98 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Did, yeah. Took, took all this time and sort of this religious fervor mm-hmm. around this one thing. Yeah. And then you've got Disney who had a lot of, again, a lot of passion and a lot of, uh, a lot of drive as well who ended up doing something relatively similar, but it just became something so completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, That's kind of an interesting and, But there's comparison. no... That is actually there's no two men with there's visions. No mythos, yeah. But there's mm-hmm. and the weird thing is it's like so you got Ed and Ed's got all of this sort of mystery and all this sort of like mm-hmm. unknown. But then you have Disney, which is the opposite. It's sort of the simulacrum of unknown. Yeah. Right? there's nothing yeah. that's unknown about Disney. Yeah. Like yeah. Disney is all artifice. It's all fake. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. there is nothing about Disney that has any true, any true like mystique or haunting no there's no mystery there right (laughs) right well what i think what i think is interesting actually is kind of what you were like because he he originally wanted it to become a theme park Mm -hmm. right like he he want not a theme park per se like he didn't build rides or anything out of these stones but like Mm -hmm. he had that would have been dope he had a plan like he thought he he charged people it was like a dollar he was it was like 30 cents and then he changed it to a dollar because of inflation in like the 90s or something ridiculous. Yeah, it like, started off at like 10 well, cents or something. Originally, like that. he didn't yeah. charge. Originally, and then right, his neighbors right, right, were the right, ones right, that suggested right. that he monetize it. Because he yeah. literally wasn't even like buying food for himself. So they were like, yeah. hey, you should probably charge 10 cents and buy yourself an apple. Right, at least have something. It's your, it's your life's work. You might as well <laughs> yeah. benefit from it yeah. monetarily right. in some way or form. What's, what I think is really interesting is actually the fact that. So the f- I. I, ha- I haven't gone back and checked this, actually, because I didn't think we would talk about Disney in this episode. <laughs> but um, I was like, gotcha. I was super mm-hmm. I was super into Disney, like his his like life and biography. Oh, and, whatever. Yeah. and I went to yeah. I actually I, we went to Disney World for like a uh, in Florida for a school trip. And me as like a huge nerd ended up reading this biography of Disney that I bought in Disney mm-hmm. World. Right. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like, like for like a good portion of the trip. But anyways, um. You're I like, had read. I don't want to see a parade. I don't want to go on Magic Mountain. <laughs> I'm going to sit no. here and read this book. <laughs> um, but so I, uh, in the book though, it mentions why they chose Florida, and it's because like not only is Florida like they had a bunch of other places where they thought they were originally going to build it, and Florida won out because the land was dirt cheap because yeah. it's all on swamp. Yeah. And so nobody wanted to build on it. So it's kind of like. The fact that all these big projects ended up in Florida to me, it's kind of like, well, it's because you're giving land away, basically. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. all you got to do, you know, you need a bucket and a way to keep the gators out, and then you're pretty much solid to build in Florida. That was the interesting Um, thing about about Ed, too, because it's like, I mean, the land was cheap at the time Mm -hmm. in the in the teens and moving into the twenties, even for farmland. And then he just wanted land that couldn't be farmed. So it was like, yeah, you could definitely have that. And that was one of the reasons why he moved Coral Castle too, was because there was this flood of people buying up land and developing it and he was getting crowded was one of the reasons right, that i read right. so he decided mm-hmm. he wanted to kind of 
skidoo down further south, I was guess. it? Yeah. Something like Actually, that. Actually, I, I have kind of Hide his quite... mythos more. Yeah. Were yeah, well, that's the thing. That's, so I actually, okay, so I, I have two things to say quick. Uh, first off, so first off, to that last point that Marie just made, he hmm. also worked really hard to, like, make it, like, he worked really, really hard to kind of hide what he was doing mm-hmm. because yeah. I think he kind of, I think he got a kick out of people being like, you know, what are you doing? How'd you move that stone? Mm, right. Yeah. And he's like, classical man. Dummies. There. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but, um, gotta keep your sneak up somehow. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the other question I wanted to ask was, do you, so you guys are from Canada. Do you guys have a Florida equivalent in Canada? So Florida for the U S is like our oh. weird state. It's like really? every time you hear it about you hear about a guy getting naked in an Arby's eating someone's face off. It's, it's in, in Florida. Florida. Really? It's always yeah. Florida. That's, yeah, that's the hot yeah. spot. I mean, not really. Honestly, yes. no. We're too uh, spread out. I'm trying to think. Like, what would? I, I was thinking climate wise, probably right here, but not for like weird when? stuff. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. No, yeah, no. I'm talking like I'm talking like you know. Maybe the uh, Great they Lakes. Find out, well, they the Great find Lakes out that is known for is... having weird stuff, but not human weird stuff. It's like basically yeah, the just Bermuda Ontario, Triangle. Great the Lakes North. area. There's some weird stuff that mm. goes on there, but uh, nothing as infamous as Florida, I don't think. No. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Florida's the state. Yeah, you guys are too. <laughs> gotta work on that. You gotta get Trudeau up on that. <laughs> the taxes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so just to clarify here. Uh, from what mm. I understand, from what both of you guys have said, you're of the mind that this is achievable by one person over an extended period of time using simple physics. Oh my goodness, a million percent. Okay. okay. So because my that's what happened. My next question is, <laughs> well, do, no, do like, you yeah, buy into the more unbelievable aspects like that one anecdotal story where Ed, when he was in the midst of moving Coral Castle and he had that hired truck driver and there was that one story where apparently because he always asked the truck driver to leave and come back in the morning and he would have everything loaded by then over the night and so basically there was that one account where the truck driver came back after only half an hour unexpectedly and he came back to find the truck completely loaded do you think that's possible or do you think that's just a wives tale or what's your take on that Uh, uh, okay First off, I think it wasn't the truck that was loaded. It was probably the truck driver. Oh, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. There just you playing. go. All right. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about that truck driver. I'm just playing, guy. Um, the, no, like, so I, what I would say is, again, this is all achievable with simple physics. Even if you don't think that Ed did it, a person could do it. There okay. are YouTube videos that show people doing this. Mm-hmm. It is not. Again, the way that I would describe it is it's like if you have ever had to move a fridge, right? Uh, Fridges weigh an immense amount, (laughs) right? But you can still move them. You can still push them around just using basic physics where you lean them around a central point. Right. Using wedges. Some of the weight. Totally. Totally. But the time frame, though, that's what I'm going to push you on. (laughs) Because it's half an hour, man. And it was how many thousands of tons of limestone that he moved? Like, I would say that I would say that it's probably a wives tale. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Um, I would bet that maybe he came back in like an hour, maybe two hours, whatever. Sure. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And I would say that um, maybe a single stone got added. And then over time, it became a whole thing where he's like, like, do we know how many stones Mm -hmm. were loaded onto these trucks at once? Because if it is, these stones are huge. It probably only one stone per pallet was able to be loaded. 
right? Okay. So I would not doubt that one stone could be moved in that time, potentially, especially if it's almost already there, ready for loading, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? There's there's so many of these. It's the same way with, like, a lot of the times with abduction cases, you get the same thing where it's someone will say, you know, oh, my God, I, I lost three hours of time. But then you find out, well, you took a, you you were on a six-hour journey, and it took you nine hours, right? Right. But there are all these places where you're like, well, here I was driving 10 miles per hour because I thought the alien was coming for me. <laughs> you know, and like, and here I, I stopped to look at the ship for a, for a half an hour. Yeah. And it's like, well, all these little stops start adding up to, you know what I mean? Like an hour and a half, two hours, and suddenly you're just asleep someplace <laughs> for an hour, 15 minutes, whatever. It stops being so unbelievable, right? right? I mean, yeah. it's really easy for people to misremember, for right. people to actually displace time. Sure. I don't think we I don't think we realize like for instance, can you can either of you describe to me in detail the last time you drove home from work? I can cuz I just did it. <laughs> no. I well, I'm saying, can you can you can you tell me uh, how long were you on the highway for? Oh, there's no highway. <laughs> no, it's not. I, no, I get what you're saying. But yeah, like, no, yeah, totally. Where you just do it, it to the T. Exactly, like, and it's just, just almost yeah. like yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how many how yeah, many cars did you see? What color were the cars? Yeah, right, exactly. like those exactly. details get filtered out over time yeah. and, and like really quickly, you know. And so, it and it's really this... easy to make some more of something than it really is just to add to the mystery. Like my big question is: once Ed was dead. And the property mm-hmm. was bought by the next owners and they actually, they hired a PR guy to basically give it the look and the feel and yeah. the name Coral Castle. Cause right. I never called up. it that. So yeah. in a Shush sense, a bit, could yeah. this mythology have been created by these individuals in more the modern. hopes of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. making this an attraction and, yeah. and more people talk about it, more people come and add to the whole legend of it all. You right. know what I mean? Well, if I remember correctly, I think all that Ed said when people asked him, how did you build this, was he would say, I used the, the technology of the ancients. Yep. Yeah. He right? knew the secrets of the Egyptians. Yeah. Is what he he said. knew the yeah. secrets. Right. He knew the secrets of the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I mean, one of the biggest secrets of the Egyptians is how the hell did they move those big ass stones? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, um, no. <laughs> well, clearly with anti-gravity technology brought about by the Palladians. I mean, it's obvious to me. Um, you know, like it is, it is one of those big questions, but again, it is not an, uh, it's not an impossible task. No, right. And right. Um, I'm just as impressed. I'm just as, you know, mystified by the real world, like ways of doing this as the is, ancient alien ideas of things. Well, even right? it is yeah. almost, it is almost more amazing that it a, is a hundred pound old man. Totally was able to move these stones just using his brain, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And a little bit mm-hmm. of hard work. That is mm-hmm. amazing. It is such a better, more compelling story than, you know, um, whatever, you know, some alien from some distant planet came down and was like, hey, want us to do this for you? We can give you, we can give you the technology. Mm-hmm. Like, right. it, it, that is the main problem with the ancient alien thing, generally. Not to get too, like deep into the philosophy of this stuff with you guys here but like the whole point like the whole idea of the ancient alien hypothesis in some ways is that it takes away agency and Mm. culture and history from the ancient peoples that they are basically at the core of the ancient alien hypothesis is this idea that there is no way that these people in the desert were able to think of technology that i can't think of today Mm mm-hmm yeah. Right. That totally is at the core of this theory. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here. We 
assume that this guy from Latvia, right? Like we build up this story. Like this guy was from Latvia. He came over with no money. Only had the shirt on his back. I know lots of dudes from Latvia who come <laughs> over here with nothing that make themselves millionaires, right? Like that yeah. is a story of so many immigrant families. And so to yeah. discount that story just because it doesn't fit into like, you know, just cause you, some dude with, you know, whatever, a stupid hat and a fanny pack who calls yourselves an ancient alien hypothesis, just because you can't think of how to move these stones doesn't mean someone smarter than you couldn't think of it. No, totally. And you know what? What? Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Marie. I, just, no, I was going to say, I, I agree with everything, even down to the stupid hat and fanny pack that, that Chris is saying. And it's I all think it takes to be an ancient alien hypothesis. It's a, it's a hat and a stupid fanny pack. It's all it takes. That's it. That's mm -hmm. their... That's the <laughs> That's their research. They, say, they come with a certificate. I will say that, you know, I think that he did encourage, he did encourage sort of yeah. this more mystical thinking about things, even with sort of the iconography that he put into the park itself. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think he, you know, so to your point about like, well, could he have loaded that trailer? Well, again, without knowing sort of like the, the more data about it, like how, mm -hmm. how, big were the rocks how big was the trailer how long was the time stuff like sure, that right yeah. it is it's a pretty just that little story alone has really good lasting power like to me that's mm -hmm. yeah that's a narrative that's like that's mm -hmm. really amazing that it kept yeah. kept on Definitely. but i'm sort of curious like when you guys were looking at this you know what was the most compelling stuff that you as you know when you were starting to research it that you were like this is crazy sauce like I can't like that was really interesting but it was also like kind of fantastical like what was it about Coral Castle for you guys well do you want to kick that off Amber oh gosh well specific to Coral Castle because I think that's where my interest lies yours is a little bit more broad Andrew oh sure but for me oh my gosh what was the most interesting or compelling I feel like it was the story of the man like we've been saying and just how how he suffered from, what was it, tuberculosis or whatever right. his entire mm -hmm. life and how he went about, like, you know, he didn't have the formal education that, you know, a lot of people had and he kind of made his way. And I feel like his story is exactly like you're saying, Chris, like that's the real, like, you know, the real meat of it to me. Yeah. And just how he would have, yeah, he would have had to have devoted, like, yeah, he did okay, devote his entire life. You weigh a hundred pounds, and even, and just, to, just, even it, yeah. just to rig up, like, the well, tripod. even the tripod, had, exactly. It's like three just telephone poles. Like, those that. telephone poles are gonna weigh, like, they were huge. Thousand pounds. I saw that photograph of him, like, he's like, it's probably like ten times tall as him, yeah. or six times at mm -hmm. least. I and think, so, I, I mean, yeah. Like, for, for me, the thing is, like, there's a bunch of stuff. There's the aspects of the background and his story that are where, where there's some inconsistencies that lead into the idea of there being sort of like a, a code that he might have left or something like that. Like the idea of his Sweet 16 mm -hmm. and the name mm -hmm. Agnes Scuffs. And how mm -hmm. when we, I mean, we're, we're definitely pulling a little bit from Chris Stapps from the Eastern Border for this. But mm. he basically said that um, looking into it, like... Agnes Scuffs wasn't mm -hmm. a real person. Uh, there's no, hmm. there's no, there's no background of that. There's no, there's records no evidence of that. that she existed. And it translates in Latvian to innocent kiss, uh, which mm -hmm. is just and this he wrote sort of a treatise obscure... on morality that yeah, definitely referred to this, that. Yeah, right. Oh, I sure did. It's yeah. just sort of yeah, and that mm, is obscure, it's distasteful, <laughs> very That's much pretty <laughs> weird stuff. But um, but it's even gross. with that book, so Agnes Scuffs, like the name, mm -hmm. not a real person, and then with that book he wrote, that's just totally bizarre. He leaves every other page blank, mm -hmm. which some mm -hmm. people believe is obviously so you can fill in your own and try to read between the lines, pun intended, I guess, mm -hmm. and 
or how he phrased it. Hmm. Feel free to rewrite it if what I've written Feel free isn't to rewrite satisfactory it. Does he or mean something. to rewrite it by... I'm not saying it's an anagram, like there's for mm-hmm. in, some or sort anything of, like that, but, it, but there's some sort of code or, in or it, riddle. possibly. And I thought that was interesting in the fact that Agnes that scuffs is not... There's no records to back up that that was a real thing. Uh, honestly, yeah. that part that part to me... So, for me, almost, the st- like the story part... I think this is true with a lot of kind of interesting scientific figures or just a lot of like, I think this is kind of part of like hero killing or like, I don't know, like you look, you look into your heroes, you look into the people that you look up to, whatever. And then you, you oftentimes will find things you don't like. Right. Mm. And so with him, his story is sort of like, he almost tells it as this, um, I don't know. To me, it always came across as this story of like a, like a lot of people view it as kind of a forlorn love. Like he, loved this 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 girl back in Latvia and then he never you know it never happened whatever and so mm-hmm. then he he's kind of uh, spurned did this by love. like a mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. he did yeah. this as sort of a uh, a love letter to her but to me it almost always kinds of like based on his his treaties of morality or or whatever like he I, I don't know I, he doesn't seem to really like that lady that much <laughs> right like he doesn't seem to really like or some uh, lady whoever it is i mean mm-hmm. right he doesn't he doesn't really seem to have a very modern view of of like women generally i guess but i mean that's mm-hmm. kind of like i mean he was he was writing that in like what year was he writing that like the, i think it was 1930 late 30s yeah like and he was he was kind, coming from latvia i think that there's yeah, a lot of kind of more conservative generally sort of things, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. yeah no for sure yeah. yeah but so like to me though the fact that agnes scuffs isn't a isn't a real name that actually isn't that surprising to me like i don't know if i would want um you know i don't know like i, I yeah. can't see someone Put just putting their old flame on blast that he clearly feels so bad about it going the way it did, right? right. Yeah, like I don't think he would want that kind of attention given her or whatever. Um, and maybe he was just frankly embarrassed, right? But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it, I don't know, I don't know. Well, it is, yeah, it is an interesting story. If it was a code, so if it was a bigger thing and it was a code, then what's the cipher for it? Like what's, yeah. what is the, yeah. what's the, and did you guys have any research or anything that kind of dug anything up on that? Cause that to me is interesting. Cause he, I felt like he did a lot of strange things that seemed symbolic, yeah. heavily mm. symbolic. Yeah, so, he definitely, definitely seems like the kind of person that would be into sort of, um, puzzles and, right. and ciphers yeah. and things like yeah. that. Right? When we yeah, looked so did into you guys it, find anything? Well, yeah. for his book on morality, what was the actual title for that again? I don't have it right oh, up Lord. in front of me, but I can't remember. You for that one, vegetables and food. There's or, like there's a whole bunch of different crackpots out there with their their interpretations of it. I don't think there's really Sweet. been like a. I couldn't find any like peer reviewed academic decoding of it or anything like that it's just basically yeah. like a yeah. crackpot yet um, oh yet but um, welcome to the podcasting world my friend yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh on the flip side for his book on magnets mm-hmm. it makes a lot oh, more yes. sense for the first part of the book and then when you go on youtube and stuff like there are people recreating <laughs> some of his experiments and they are you know me. i mean they're they're very similar oh, to like basic magnetism experiments that i'm sure like you you guys would be able to do but it's like yeah. yeah, his book on morality. Well, the I think, one there's one called Mineral, Vegetable, and Animal Life, and I think that was the one yeah. that kind of went the into. Is that the one? Yeah. What a strange title yeah. for a book on 
that type of like, yeah, that's oh, just, <laughs> just a very odd guy. I, I have to say that so far, I I have to tend. I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards you guys. Definitely. Like we're always of the mind. Like we're always trying to search for the paranormal angle, and I'm always like, I want to believe. Include you know it. What I mean? Include the skeptic um, sort of angle. But as at the well. same time. No, I'm, I'm definitely buying into what you guys are saying and the fact in, that mm-hmm. a lot of this is basic physics. And, like, we found some videos online, too. Like, yep. after, Chris, you turned us on to, like, the old men that rebuild Stonehenge or whatever. Yep. And, like, I found this one video of this this one guy. He's just all by himself. Amazing. He moved a he, barn by himself. He moved himself. an entire barn by himself. Like, just with Like, the, just, just pushed it. Yeah. Just, like, with <laughs> saying, certain leverage. Yeah. But basically, the video was for rebuilding Stonehenge. And it was, like, he would pour, you know, the concrete blocks... And then, yeah, he had like a, um, you know, two two by fours coming off the side of it and basically like, you know, like a puzzle piece fitter on the top that would slide in over Mm -hmm. top. Mm-hmm. And then he would just put in little pe- little pebbles or little rocks, little tiny rocks, like wedge and it underneath it. and leverage it forward so it would move a few feet, and he could move a one ton block like. And he could even he could move far. it in a whole circle. He yep. could yeah he could push it forward and. So backwards. I totally, yep. definitely a thing. He could he could elevate and it from he, being yeah. like um, horizontal to a complete right. vertical. Just so. with uh, by well using, using weights wood and wedges, then with water, so like water, yeah. hosing out the ground yeah. to like so get the sand to go away. So like it was like a teeter totter. Yeah, like yeah. a tear tar. Mm. And I get all that. I get all that stuff. And I think that Ed probably was employing a lot of those similar tactics for, you know, 80% of what he was doing and some other stuff for d- different types of, for maybe the heavier stones he was working with or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the one thing mm-hmm. that blows my mind that I do not understand is how the hell did he actually quarry it? Like, I, I get it. You can dig a pit and and carve it out from the side, but how do you get that cut underneath how do you mm. cut out a 20-ton block from, of stone He was from a family of stone cutters. By yourself. Yeah, actually, that's that's actually a really well-known mm-hmm. technique, too. Um, there are also really good YouTube videos on that as well. Uh, ancient masonry. Ancient Basically, what they do is... Ba- so, rocks have... Just like wood has grains, rocks also have grains in them. Right, right? okay. And so, rocks will cleave, especially the rocks that we tend to use for... Uh, masonry they will cleave along grain boundaries and so mm. basically what you do is you um you chisel in uh kind of evenly spaced apart uh you know just kind of i guess pylons would be the word i don't, I don't really know but like you just chisel in these kind of uh metal rods right and then um with enough force with enough of those piled in the rock will just cleave spontaneously um, not spontaneously, but it'll cleave by itself just over its own under its own pressure, basically. Oh, okay. Um, it'll just it's cleave a along a, a straight line. It'll yeah. split, it'll and split. that split can go that split can go quite deep. And then you can do the same thing on the sides and basically just cleave out, um, you know, as much stone as you want, pretty much. I mean, okay. really, the 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 quarrying part is actually probably the most. Uh, I don't know if the most well-known way to do it, but probably one of the easier ways to do it. He also uh, likely had access to explosives. I mean, you know, like, I mean, like, like, let's be like honest, we all right? do. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, we all have, we all okay, have explosives. Okay. It's the, it's the night. It's like the twenties, right? It's like the twenties and thirties. Yeah. Um, you could probably pick that up pretty much anywhere. You could yeah, buy Home the Depot. stuff to make them. I mean, you can still buy Like it's not, it's, gonna get put on a watch list for <laughs> I know it's, yeah. well, it's like it's, it's so like super easy hard to make Homeland Securities is already like, like please Dr. Cogswell just go ahead and explain to us where you're buying the fertilizer <laughs> right yeah 
Go on, go on, Mr. Cogswell. Oh, but um, I will say, so yeah, I think so anyways, that we... Yeah. I think that we... So we naturally are more... Um, you know, science-based, and I don't want to say buzzkillers, but, like, we have a pretty rational explanation for Coral Cast. But what I would love to hear is kind of, like, what are, again, like, what are the things that you guys heard that, that were sort of out there oh. that oh. kind of, like, sparked your interest about it? Because I think the thing that's, <laughs> that it's, when you demystify something, there's a little part of you that's like, oh... But it's right. you also have to appreciate it for the fact that there was just one man doing this, and that like that you know again like with the physics of that giant swinging gate that he had that was mm-hmm. perfectly balanced, and just all this like really amazing stuff. So it's like a deeper appreciation maybe yeah. is what you're is what you gun for for these types of things. But at the same time, I'm a junkie for I'm a junkie for the spooky stuff too. Yeah. So like what have, what did you guys come up with? Do you want what? What do you, mm. what you got? There? Well, it's interesting, yeah, that you bring up the the revolving door because that was one of my initial questions. Is it took yeah. it took what was it like a six ton crane and a crew of it was six a 20, people? 20 oh, sorry, a twenty ton crane. ton crane and a crew of six to actually replace the block on top to after fix the door. because they, yeah they had to have that repair done or whatever and how it still wasn't as perfect. After they replaced it, so that to me was one of the initial like what, yeah, what like that's so like there's still an element of lost knowledge even if it is like simple physics. I feel like so right. I would agree. Yeah, here's kind of what. So the interesting thing is, as so, here's kind of I think the way that I always view these questions or these ideas is, as we, the problem in nature is always that you need you need enough energy to do something um, and energy isn't free, right? That energy has to come from someplace. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's true of all processes, right? It's just basic thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy you put in is equal to the energy you get out, either in terms of work or heat or whatever, right? So right. work and heat in equals work and heat out, um, plus some losses because we have the real world, so we have friction. Now, with, the co- with, with things like moving giant stone blocks and stuff, the difference here is time, right? We, I mean, when we were building these monolithic giant structures, we had nothing but time on our hands. Right. Right? Didn't matter if it took a, a whole pharaoh's rule to build the tomb that would house his body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What mattered was that it got done. The pharaoh doesn't care, right? Who cares? It's all yeah. it's all manual labor, right? So you actually have a you have a, you have a flux. You've or not a flux. You have a gluttony of work. You have a gluttony of workers who can all input little bits of work, and they just you know. So you have you have more time than you have power, right? When as the industrial revolution happened, and as we became more technologically advanced, what happened was that power started to be a lot easier to get. Right. Yeah. So now, as opposed to having, you know, 6,000 workers move these stones over decades, we could have one bulldozer do it on a quarter, you know, on a tank of gas in in an afternoon. Right. Right. In an hour. But that also then means that we've started to rely on those tools. Right. So it's similar like a calculator. Yeah. You know. People know how to do like before we had calculators, you had to memorize logarithm tables right. and you had to know all your multiplication tables and all the square roots of stuff and whatever. Right. Today, you just pull out a calculator. You don't need to remember all that stuff. But if we were left without a calculator, we'd have no idea how to do any of it. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. To me, it's the same way with these big structures. We used to be able to do it by hand because we had to. Right. But now over time, we've we've started to rely on these tools. So now we can't do it anymore on our own, right? So that's such to a... me... Sorry, fi- it's almost like ahead. reverse sorry, evolution. Sorry, sorry, Chris, finish your thought there. But... Yeah, sorry. No, I mean, no, it absolutely is like reverse evolution, right? Like, I mean, mm. when, when, um, uh, you know, I can't, I can't even remember who says this really cliched scientific quote, but it's, you know, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah, but we also are um, building the things that are figuring these things out. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's no, not no, reverse no, evolution. We, it's almost like, like we just we've just special we've like, just specialized ourselves get, to a certain way. The dumber we get, <laughs> yeah, in a sense. Well, I think actually, yeah, it's funny that you brought up the industrial revolution, Chris, because I have that way down in my notes here. How I thought like that was, yeah, obviously that was a turning point for just like a t- just mankind, but also yeah, like a a shift in a certain direction where certain types of knowledge had to have been, it, it, it had to be lost. Well, it kind of almost sense. reminds me of alchemy and then the scientific revolution. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. Like, we got into that mm-hmm. with Travis too. Definitely. The history of alchemy I feel like podcast. elements like, of Ed kind of mirror Paracelsus. <laughs> yeah. <you could> <laughs> Just yeah. how kind of out there they were. <laughs> there's a little bit of that there, but to come back yeah. to your initial question there, Marie, like right, on what yeah. really was mm-hmm. like crazy, like what we thought was insane. Mm-hmm is really the whole idea of the magnets and the Earth's magnetic grid. And what about his flywheel, too? And the flywheel. Well, that was a part of it, right? Yeah. It was like the magnetic flywheel. Mm -hmm. So, but basically... Is that just some crazy experiment in his little basement dungeon where he was just like, (laughs) I'm going to make this work, (laughs) It sort of seems that. Well, I don't know. That's so funny. (laughs) Or was he actually using it? pictures of Coral Castle, this guy was legit living in a dungeon. Yeah. Like, he lived in, like... (laughs) He was, like, sleeping in, like, this, like... Yeah, it was like a it it, it looks like a torture like a chamber, cot. and he was like sleeping there. He didn't even have a mattress, bizarre. I don't think. He's no, sleeping on the ground. No. Anyway, but, <laughs> but so yeah, but for magnets, the idea that with his perpetual motion machine, mesh- he, motion holder, perpetual yeah. motion holder, mm-hmm. he could mm-hmm. generate an electric current, and Make through man. that current, manip start like right at the right at the source, the atomic with, level, right at the source, and mm-hmm. at the atomic level with this device manipulate the magnetic orientation of particles in the air, I guess, like particles right in front of them, and therefore be able to, you know, in conjunction with the object that he was trying to move, be able to, knowing the magnetic Mm -hmm. orientation of that object, be able to levitate that object. But that's, does limestone have the magnetic orientation? Well, all objects do. That's (laughs) what we Well, I guess so, yeah, if we're talking about diamagnets and paramagnets. That's the thing, it's like diamagnets and paramagnets. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, like, what's your take on the diamagnet thing? Because that's kind of crazy. Like that the idea cool that, like, even stuff. like water is magnetic, and it's just, it's just. Well, the, what were the other examples? Because we had a UCLA video that we watched, and this was actually originally sourced from a crazy South African guy named Michael Tellinger. And I don't know if you ever heard of him, but hmm. he is insane. Mm-hmm. He, like I said earlier, he's the flat earther. He's also a Holocaust denier, a communist slash anarchist, believes in free energy and basically wants anarchism in the world. (laughs) So he's a nonsense purveyor. (laughs) But I found through his video, there was this UCLA video that was actually talking about the science of paramagnetism and diamagnetism, which he was applying to all sorts of crazy stuff in his little lecture thing that I didn't actually listen to because it was like over an hour. But anyways, yeah, no. So we got into the topic of superconductors as diamagnets and how this could potentially levitate objects. We are talking about objects that are like basically at, what is it, absolute zero. Right. So it's not really something that I feel like Ed would have 
being... He didn't have like, liquid nitrogen have... on hand. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the most recent um, use. Like, before it was, like, liquid helium or frozen helium or something. So, like, even colder. I was going to say, you don't... Yeah, you, yeah, need, just, you, need, yeah. you need liquid helium. You can't even do it with liquid nitrogen. Oh, dude, okay, dude. We it... actually yeah. came across... A video. Um, there was this guy. His name's Matthew Thomas Sturm. It was a TEDx Youth Talk, and he basically he was inspired by those superconducting trains that are currently in operation in China, and so he wanted to mm-hmm. demonstrate how superconductivity works on a miniature scale. And, anyways, he did that. What, what was oh yeah, point the though? magnets, right? The reverse magnets. Yeah, and he actually yeah. created yeah. propulsion yeah. through magnets yeah. and stuff, and it was really yeah. cool. So, anyways, so is that something that like I know. I know it's... And he... Sorry, and my point was that he used liquid nitrogen. Right, okay. He was able to... Uh, and he was using ceramics, too, which yeah, was crazy. That's interesting. That was another sort of... Um, yeah, that was really yeah, recent. So From, like, 2015, they sort of developed that. Anyways. So it's interesting. Uh, the public has, like, a total... The the, the word ceramic for the public means compl- the complete... It's so different than what the scientific word for ceramics is, right? <laughs> okay. So okay. ceramic and en- ceramic engineering basically encompasses the use of all um, non-metal metalloid mixtures okay. of solids. Okay. So things like zeolites, clays, hydroxyapatites, uh, hydrotalcites. Would those be considered organic? Stuff. Or no, they're no? inorganic. Okay. That's the thing. They're inorganic, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So they're composed of uh, silicon and aluminum primarily within other elements mixed in. So things like calcium or phosphorus in the case of like hydroxyapatite. Um, but basically a ceramic is uh, a porous solid that has a crystal structure. Is basically what a ceramic is. It's, oh, okay. it's made up of a certain... A crystalline so- And that's so, why... Okay. okay. Yeah. And so, that's, and so when they were talking about the use of ceramics as superconductors, what they meant was basically um, aluminum or silicon oxides with other elements mixed in there inside the crystal lattice uh technically silicon aluminum are not crystalline on their own like glass is an amorphous solid which means it's not crystalline but um anyways whatever but but the basic (laughs) idea is these things have like these things have very specific um these things have very specific magnetic properties or interesting electrical properties Mm -hmm. that allow them to act as superconductors. So, but it's a huge, it's a ginormous field of engineering. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And superconducting properties only appear at very, very low temperatures. It seems to be an effect of uh, the kind of transition from a uh, normal kind of state where, you know, things are in motion and whatever to a state where things are nearly at, at zero yeah. movement. Yeah. Okay. Right? I actually had a case um, from the Max Planck Institute for Chemistry in Mainz, uh-huh. Germany, that they, yep. they made this, okay, what's described as an extraordinary claim. So let's <laughs> put that over. <laughs> that they had seen, this is a quote, they had seen hydrogen sulfide superconducting at minus 70 degrees Celsius. So is that, yeah, do you think that's complete that, yes? That sounds like a, an extraordinary claim just to give yeah. you a sense of what so okay usually so the coldest that anything can get by definition um is zero kelvin right mm-hmm. okay is that absolute so that's, zero <laughs> is that that's absolute zero okay, zero cool. kelvin is absolute zero okay the difference between kelvin so zero degrees celsius is two is is 273.15 degrees kelvin Ooh, okay Okay. (laughs) So minus, so minus 70 Celsius is 200 Kelvin. So 200 degrees above absolute zero. 
Okay. Most superconducting properties, I don't quote me here, but usually occur somewhere below 10 Kelvin, somewhere around there, I want to say. So just above absolute zero. Yeah. Like, like, I think the coldest we've ever gotten anything is like point, point 0.1 Kelvin, maybe? (laughs) I don't know for sure, but it's, we've never hit absolute zero. And there is a lot of interesting questions about what happens at absolute zero because there is, um, here's, so, Okay, so you, you guys mentioned a lot of things that are, like, interesting, but are... So, perpetual motion. What does perpetual motion mean to everybody in the Skype chat? <laughs> well, originally, <Great> <laughs> originally, in my non-scientific mind, I was thinking it was something, obviously, in perpetual motion. But we were, like, kind of Googling around and watched some YouTube videos, and we kind of discovered that it's almost like a perpetual motion holder as in like a circuit like a like a magnetic or when i hear that i think that it means like it's it it is its own energy like it starts moving and then it's going and it doesn't need another (laughs) it's its own energy source it's its own source of closer it's it's closer to the truth kind of non-existent (laughs) marie is is spot on as always marie is spot on spot on it's okay so what a perpetual motion machine is basically is a machine that you can get work out of without having to add in any energy okay Mm -hmm. or rather any any further energy so it's uh so right now in the universe um you cannot get if if, okay if you add in a system so in a oh we gotta talk about so much thermodynamics now this is so great (laughs) dude i i have notes from when so i don't know if you guys know but there there was an episode where he taught me like thermodynamics 101 and then i taught him star wars (laughs) (laughs) oh man i need to catch up on that one (laughs) that was it's like the notes on the thermodynamics was that i took like were crazy they were just like scroll you want to talk about like you know levitating giant rocks and stuff i was like work and there was drawings and i was trying to but it's I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. Yes. It doesn't exist because I, how I try to simplify it down is again, if you were like, if it thermodynamics in a human, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't need sleep. You would just be self-sustaining, right? which is an impossibility. Mm. Like you always need to have some sort of input into your body to create the fuel to keep, to keep going. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. To have an output. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Super good. Kind of super good. (laughs) So, okay. So, yeah, so in in any system, you input, so again, all of chemistry, all of physics is basically accounting, okay? It's counting up how much mass or energy did you put into a system, and how much of that do you get out? And a system is any closed, it's like, a system can be anything, it's kind of a weird definition, Hmm. but in this case, let's talk about an engine, okay? okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's say, if you input 10 kilograms of fuel, okay? And burning that 10 kilograms of fuel generates 20,000 kilojoules of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Then the most energy you can ever get out of that system is 20,000 kilojoules. Right. And the most mass you can ever get out is however much mass I said was going in. (laughs) 10 something. So 10 (laughs) kilograms. I forgot the unit. (laughs) So the the mass in equals the mass out and the energy in equals the energy out. Okay. Now, energy, though, can take on different forms. Mm-hmm. You can have heat or you can have work. Mm. Okay, Work mm-hmm. is the ability to move 
something, so to apply a force over some distance. Okay. 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 And heat is literally thermal energy that kind of just goes to the surroundings or can be used for different things. Okay. All right. Is that like friction? So is that friction? <laughs> no? friction is something different. Friction oh, okay. is actually an it's friction is an is a friction is known as a loss. Oh, friction is the right. reason that perpetual motions of the second kind can't work. Mm. Okay. There's different types of perpetual motion machines. We're gonna get into all this. Okay. okay. All right. Now, um, if I'm sounding too much like a professor, you guys can like throw in a fart joke or something else. I promise. Um, oh, we're okay. going to talk about Star Wars now. No. Funny. Okay. So um, at the end of this, at the the only thing I have to contribute at the end of this is a story that I just had with a bunch of doctors about the dragons in Game of Thrones. We'll get to that. Okay. Nice. Oh, good. I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. So, um, okay. So in a so. Let's talk about like a basic, uh, the most basic engine is a piston and cylinder. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. yeah. I can picture okay. it. I can picture it. Yeah. All right, sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a piston and cylinder, you can add heat to the, to the cylinder, to the contents in the cylinder. You add heat. That heat then causes the pressure of the gas inside the cylinder to rise. Right. And then that pressure causes the piston to move up. Okay. Mm-hmm. In that process, you have added heat. And then that heat has been converted to work, the work to move the piston up. Right. Okay. In the same way, you can then compress the piston so you can push down on the gas inside the cylinder and cause it to heat up, and then that heat will dissipate. Hmm. Okay. Okay? That's converting work into heat. Now, in a perfect system where there are no losses of energy at all in that scenario... You could forever, if you could collect the heat that was coming out when you depressed the cylinder and use the work from when it was being pushed back up to make it into heat again or more energy to push down the cylinder, you could have that system go forever. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But that's not really possible? No. (laughs) No, it's not possible because of entropy and because of specifically because of friction in a real environment. Can you define entropy quickly? So entropy literally means the... Entropy means irreversible losses okay. hmm. of energy. Okay. All right. Okay. So in that piston cylinder assembly, you would expect that some of the heat that you're adding to the piston, uh, maybe all the heat you add actually gets applied, but some of the force of that gas is going to go to like the walls of the, of the container, right? And some of the energy is going to go to overcoming the friction of the piston on the cylinder wall. Right. I see. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you Inevitable actually let the system, hmm. so if you actually let the system run, what would happen is eventually, even if it was collecting all the work at the other end and all the heat on the inside, whatever, however it was working yeah. cyclically, eventually you the engine would stop because there was not enough work anymore to actually push the piston up. So it can't be a perpetual motion. Interesting. <laughs> so it cannot be in perpetual motion. Interesting. Right. Okay. Okay. That is a perpet. That's called a perpetual motion machine of the second type, second. which means that it breaks the second law of thermodynamics. Okay. Which is the law of entropy. Gotcha. Huh. Okay. Okay. A perpetual motion machine of the first type is one that produces work with no input of heat. Okay. So you don't add any energy in, but it just makes work. Right. So you don't add energy, okay. but it makes work. Could that be potentially the hypothetical of? The flywheel that was in Coral Castle. No, no? because the way a fly, the way <laughs> no. that a so, okay, so fly, so so here's the thing, here's the thing. 
the closest we have ever gotten to a perpetual motion machine. You guys are never going to guess what it is. What is it? Tell us. An MRI I'll give, machine? I'll give you, <laughs> nope. I'll give you each. No, not even close. And then, Okay. The process of cooling stuff down is the most inefficient. One of the most inefficient processes in nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Heating stuff up is one of the most efficient. Cooling off is the opposite. It's like making an engine you run guys, in reverse. You guys were you guys were warm when you were talking about the Industrial Revolution. Ah, okay. Oh. What was the biggest thing that went, or one of the biggest things that came out of the Industrial Revolution? Ah, uh, well, combustible. Combu <laughs> yeah, <Coal>? combustion engines. <laughs> right, combustion. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So theoretically, the most efficient a combustion engine can be is like thirty three percent. Wow, efficient. crazy. Which means that thirty three percent of the heat gets converted to work. What? Wow. Um, so sixty six percent is loss. Yes, as friction, as just mm -hmm. losses to the environment, whatever. Okay. Wow. It's called the it's called the Carno cycle, C A R N O T, and then the ranking cycle is the one R A N K I N E is the one for steam. It's the steam engine cycle. Right. Um, basically, our development, our engines have not changed at all since the Industrial Revolution. Primarily, yeah. They still run on you. Uh, hmm. For the most part, you make something burn or you make something produce heat. That heat then causes water to boil, and that boiled water uh, converts to converts that heat into work by pushing on pistons and cylinders, yeah. or a, or a turbine or something. Right. Very right. cool. So okay. on the flip now, side, then. Oh, sorry. Okay, wait. I'll let you finish that. Yeah. No, no. Sorry. Okay. So <laughs> I'm the closest the we've. It's okay. The closest <laughs> we've ever gotten to a perpetual motion machine is actually one of those drinky bird things. Oh my god! Like the from what? The Simpsons, um, where Homer leaves the office and he just yes, puts the thing down. A million and percent. Like... A million percent. They <laughs> oh. are. They are. Uh, they are comically efficient. They are extremely interesting in terms of thermodynamics. Hmm. Um, they actually show a really cool topic called extergy really well, which is the available work, not just the actual work. Um, it's it's like really nerdy, but one of the most famous problems in thermodynamics involves a drinky bird. Um, it is known as the drinky bird problem. It is in a very famous uh, thermodynamics for engineers textbook. Um, and the question was originally developed at MIT in like the 1960s, 50s, maybe. Anyways, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, the, the flywheel is just another motor. It's just another engine. Okay. 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 Now, the way that a so because flywheels, so flywheels are in like. They're, they're we use them. We've used them forever. Flywheels are used in uh, lawnmowers, I think, still today. Oh. Um, in some other types of motors and things. Okay. The basic note, the basic mo uh, idea of a flywheel is that it can. What a flywheel does is it converts. And this is what all uh, motors, or this is what all electrical uh, generators do, is they convert work. So mechanical energy into electrical energy. And the way that they do that is by spinning a magnet around a central point, right. which creates a magnetic field. Okay. okay. So that's all that was basically. Yeah. So all the, so all the flywheel was probably was him messing around with an engine in his spare time. Oh, so, okay. so there's, so you don't think there's any connection with that into what he was doing for the actual construction. No, okay. no. And if, and if any of the, again, if any of the ancient, alien hypothesis guys had ever like i don't know taken apart a lawnmower or anything they would know that do you but really think that giorgio's taken apart they a seem lawnmower, like bro? more like armchair theorists 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I hate to go so hard on them because I actually love the show. No, it's a great show. But they've got to get better material. Like, guys, call me, please. I right? promise we'll come yeah. up with a better season. No kidding. Um, Giorgio's not even the worst one. Giorgio's, like, probably no, one of the more sensible one. ones on that damn show. Like, you know what I mean? You yeah, got, I know, right? You got, oh, my goodness. Anyways, so the uh yeah no so the flywheel in my opinion like the flywheel is just a misunderstood right like just a complaint. you know we came uh, across that too like from a lot of the a lot of the things we looked at that was the general consensus i well, think for the yeah most i mean the, yeah. the thing is too from we, the more we rational when this, sources yeah. <laughs> we gotta remember when this guy was operating too right like we didn't have a working model of magnetism i want to say until the 40s right Ooh, so this this is at the tail end bit, of him doing it then. Yeah, like um we really didn't know a lot about how magnetic moments were were caused. Like you know, we so I'm actually um pulling it up now here. It's the Bohr van Leeuwen theorem. Um which actually determines or actually kind of tells us how uh, magnetism works. It was it was it was actually part of interestingly part of niels bohr's doctoral dissertation really which is super interesting it was in 1911 that he had published it and then in 1919 um johanna hendrika johanna von leeuwen had actually uh republished it interesting and then 1932 von vleck formalized and expanded the theorem in a book on electrical susceptibilities now so so really like at the highest levels of physics we were just starting to talk about this stuff right about how a magnet how a magnet really works and what makes something magnetic. Mm-hmm. And even today, it's like one of the least understood areas of material science right. is how magnets form. You know, how can we like we still basically are stuck with finding that a material is magnetic in nature and then either mining the crap out of it and try to find of it as, as much of it as we possibly can. Yeah. Or trying to find ways to like develop new ones, but that process is super hard and super rare. Mm. I actually know a guy um, who who did his or is still doing, I think, his dissertation on that exact topic. Interesting, right? Oh. Interesting. Um, yeah. Because the the use of magnets, primarily for industry and stuff, we use what are known as rare earth element magnets. Okay. Okay. And those are elements that are uh, they're not necessarily rare in the sense of like rarity on the surface of the earth, there are just a special like class of ma- of, of materials, huh. but or elements. But basically the problem with them is that they are, some of them are becoming very rare because <laughs> we've used them so damn much. Right. So is right? that the stuff that's in our phones and stuff or? Yeah. And that is exactly why now you can get money for recycling your old phones. Interesting. Right? Okay. okay. Is because it costs less for them to offer you the consumer money than it is for them to like, try to get mining rights for North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like North Korea, actually North Korea. That's actually true. North Korea sits on, um, I think the world's largest untapped reserve of rare earth elements. What? Um, that's yeah, they're actually, ex- <laughs> they're extreme. They're actually extremely mineral rich. So, uh, and it's a huge bargaining chip. Like eventually we're going to run out of neodymium. Oh, and we're going to run out Kim of uh, Ni- Naomium and whatever. 
<laughs> oh, he can't wait. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to give him all of our basketball players. <laughs> like, forget Rodman. He's gonna get. He's gonna get some others too. You know, it's rough. Oh man. Um, LeBron's gonna have to get a summer house no. in Pyongyang. I don't know how yeah. he's gonna be on that. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my goodness. Well, okay. Well, on that note, like. Okay, so you're saying so. Okay, even at the tail end of like the of the 30s and moving into the 40s, we didn't know a ton about magnets and magnetism, and we still and for don't. sure the public for sure the public did not right. know anything about right. any of this stuff. So okay. definitely not about diamagnets then. No. Okay. Mm. Because, well, I feel like mm. even if it's a possibility, like I feel like the fact that Ed. Like, I don't want to come back to this whole thing with being like, oh, you only have fourth grade education and he was from Latvia and this and that. It's like anybody can learn if they want to. Or, you can yeah. find a way to learn the knowledge through that you experimentation, want to gain, right? even Through experimentation, maybe, through just his travels. You know, there was speculation that as he was working and mining and logging and moving around that he probably figured out how to do like 90% of what he did just yeah. from trial and error and watching these mm-hmm. like, you know, Seeing yeah. mass yeah. scale industries. But at the same time, the idea of diamagnetism is like so fascinating to me. The idea that like if you could, if you could you manipulate yeah. the the magnetic orientation of a particle, then you could theoretically, you know, have a chain reaction from that. I guess like is how I'm picturing see, it but, in my head. See, but but here's the thing, right? Just because we didn't have a good working mathematical model of magnetism didn't know, doesn't mean we didn't know about magnets. No, 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 not at all. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew we knew about magnets and how to make things magnetic since the Industrial Revolution. Right. Right. So we're talking like 1830s, 1840s. Oh well, people have been. We pe- knew totally. I mean, ancient like in ancient China, like magnets have been used for healing since well, like 2500 absolutely. BC. <laughs> yeah. So like, pe- and and there's an and and so this the idea that. Like he would have, anyone interested in science would have known about magnets, would have known about diamag, you know, diamagnetism, would have known about how to make a non-magnetic material magnetic by applying electrical charge. Okay. Like all of that would have been known. Right. All of that would have been very, could have been very well known very easily. In fact, um, you know, auto mechanics, like this is around the time that cars started to really be uh, widely used, right? right? Like any auto mechanic worth their salt has to know about magnetism at least in some ways because that's again how the engine runs right mm-hmm. like yeah it's how that work that that work gets converted to energy and, and vice versa okay. so um well uh, actually at that time it's it's internal combustion so never mind <laughs> but um but still like any mechanic anyone yeah, with like any kind there. of mechanical inclination would have known about this kind of stuff okay right okay. now in terms of uh in terms of let's say like what here's the thing so so the idea is that ed had some method whereby he was able to basically turn non-magnetic materials magnetic Mm -hmm. right right if he had known how to do that he would have won the nobel prize in physics Mm -hmm. but he was a weirdo (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't like want to win the nobel prize maybe even your comment i'm just like why the heck, if he had some crazy secret knowledge, why wasn't the U.S. government just yeah, like, why, why, why didn't they, they steal him away yeah, and just like in, lock him in a dungeon? In a and, yeah, exactly. Put him in I, I, guarantee, I guarantee they checked him out. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, like, I guarantee they at least, they at least, you know, went to go see what the hell he was building when they got this, yeah. this word that something weird was happening. Like, mm-hmm. th- there's, if there is a one, if, listen, 
if he well, was able to create... Especially if he's from Latvia. They're going to check him out. <laughs> well, and right? But I mean, probably. really, that they're... Yeah! They're probably, yeah. Um, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Dan, no. That Dan Kristaps, we can't trust him. The American government would check out Latvia just for... Just to make sure he wasn't a commie sure. go sympathizer yeah. mm-hmm. that came into yeah. the country illegally. Sure. Right. And I mean, look, like, the... Again, even if there was a... Even if there was a chance that this was true, that he was able to do this stuff, there he would have been extra, like so revolutionary mm-hmm. and so important to the to the advancement of mankind that there is no possible like again, it just it if you were able to do that to make non if you were able to let me say this. If you were able to levitate objects yeah right that means that you are able to break one of the fundamental laws of nature right yeah the first law of thermodynamics (laughs) and therefore you have discovered a whole new physics Mm. and if that was the case if you were able to do that and you had any kind of damn common sense about you (laughs) you would not be using it to move around stones like a jackass yeah right you would be using it if listen if you were able to ro- to move things like that you know what i would do i would <laughs> i would attach it to a giant like a giant lever right yeah. that's attached to a turbine okay that's moving that's moving uh whatever energy around that's that's got magnetic pieces on it and i would be turning that damn thing to fill up batteries and then sell them totally right no okay? for sure cuz you have you have made free I'm, energy there yeah on the one hand, you are though, now a god. That's everything is possible. I know, right? It's like, but at the same time, when I'm thinking about because I we talked about this too. Like we were we we're like, why would you? Why wouldn't you have? Yeah, tried to monetize it. Why wouldn't you have? Like sorry. bragged about it. Like it's kind of funny. On the one hand, we were like, oh, maybe he was really into being secretive. He really liked being, you know, mm-hmm. keeping it hush hush because mm-hmm. he thought it was mysterious and he liked being that guy. But at the same time, why wouldn't you have been bragging about this or why wouldn't you have told people? But then yeah. it's like when you look at where he came from, it's like okay. He's a Latvian immigrant. His entire family's either killed off during a revolution or, you know, In what have you. Somewhere. He mm. comes to North America. He's struggling health-wise and financially. He makes his way to the U.S. He doesn't have any patriotism to America. He's he he has no reason to get, to bring this gift if he does. If you believe he does know how to do something, maybe he had no more, reason to tell. Maybe anyone. he's looking down on the whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I he, he was just jaded from. Who if knows? you believe the Sweet this is a lot of thing, or if you believe whatever, but yeah, like he, but he wasn't necessarily in a position oh, where you just did, be like he did make very persnickety like, comments about how scientists, like he just branded like it was just widespread scientists are only seeing this is a quote one half of the whole concept and using one sided tools of measurement. So he's kind of <laughs> like just like being like, oh, you guys don't even know, like kind of thing, right? I mean, but you, know, you know what? Though? Then if that's true right that he was hiding it because he, he liked it to be hidden or whatever then he is the worst person in all of human history <laughs> right almost because then well, he but maybe is, he is super like it's jaded just like, and he's like you know what screw all of you i'm just gonna make myself like, into a legend. I mean? it's like it's like it's like those people that claim that like you know oh, i saw 9-11 happening like well then you're the worst person i've ever met yeah, like yeah. you gotta tell someone right <laughs> Like, oh, it's like the before same thing it happened? Here. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if he, if, he, uh, if he figured out a way to create free energy, he could alleviate poverty. He could, yeah. alle- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all of the world's problems would end. Yeah. But instead, he's upset that his girlfriend 
back in middle school or high school or whatever the hell was he 16 so yeah. high school right yeah like that is this, so this girl that he liked doesn't didn't want to talk to him or his parents didn't like him or whatever the hell it was and so he's decided to doom the entire human race <laughs> that's why it's a terrible story it's a terrible story then for him like the thing the thing that i don't understand with it is so there's this actually plays into a larger conspiracy theory idea, which is that um, the government has this technology mm. that we're we're actually going to talk about this on our upcoming episode ah, this week. Cool. Um, nice. That the government has access to this technology, but is keeping it secret because the government would like basically everything to run its course normally um, because they're too afraid of the consequences. Industries but, being destroyed, basically. Yeah, kind of. Right. Okay. But that has never, ever been the history of capitalism. Right. Right. The guy that develops the CD player doesn't not bring it to market because he's afraid of what the VHS guy is going to do. Right. Or mm-hmm. the Betamax guy. Right. No one cares. You bring it to market. Like, that's the way it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, but Something so Chris, radical. I would say that, like, if you're going to if if so, let's again, presupposing he had this this gift or this whatever, this ability, and he chose not, he actively chose not to use it. You know, I, we're putting a certain lens on it to, that would make the assumption that that is for the detriment, right? Like maybe, right. I would just argue, maybe he was thinking, okay, again, like, if you believe any of this is true, then maybe he was thinking, I'm not going to, I'm just going to move rocks and do really simple things with this mm-hmm. because this, this knowledge could be to fall into the wrong in hands, the wrong hand, yeah. the, the, in the wrong hands oh, yeah. argument, which is always one of my favorites, yeah. but still, <laughs> I, I see you shaking your head over there. I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but I mean, again, it's like, it's impossible to kind of say why somebody did or didn't do something or why, especially to prove the negative right. on someone right. who yeah. is a singular person, which again, like, even if he did have it or if he didn't have it, isn't it's an impossible sort of an impossible thing to to really prove. I totally. Mean, I think he he clearly had something that was a, an above average intelligence to be able to understand this and to be able mm. to work through everything else and be single minded and and again live this very austere yeah like monk monastery lifestyle mm, to begin right. with. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm glamorizing that, but I mean he also had some strong strong views that he was, you know, socializing in his pamphlets. But mm-hmm. it's, I think that it's it's very difficult to try and figure out kind of what that motivation was. Yeah. And that's even yeah. more of the that's mystery, the real mystery. Right? It's like, hmm, yeah. why would you do this? Like, yeah. if you had, if you, why, why wouldn't you go to work for Disney? Oh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been an Imagineer. Been no, so I, yeah. I think it, I think that that's the thing that's really kind of the puzzle about yeah. this. It's like, why, yeah. why this? Not so much that you could move a ginormous rock with your mind, but why did you, why did you just like live in this, yeah. this like yeah. small space and this is what you did? Yeah. It's kind of like, to me, that's Well, and then write a book about it. Why write the yeah. book on magnetism if it's just total BS? And it, the only, uh, the only explanation for that is that you're crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the only explanation. There's well, either the thing, elements no, of truth I mean, or you're batshit nuts. That's no, I would I would say that I mean I don't think it's that you know what I think it is I think that people have people throughout history have misconstrued basic physics and basic science 
for magic in different ways. Yeah. Right. Mm. It's just like, you know, when, um, it's just like when someone walks on hot coals or something. Or, right? yeah. Or, or mm. you see a, or you see a Shaolin, like a, like a Kung Fu guy, right? Sure. With, he puts, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen these, these YouTube videos. Again, I watch a lot of weird YouTube, <laughs> um, where they like, you know, say, they, this is the fourth reference to you. There's this, spe- <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's these, there's a specific type of Kung Fu that's like, I think it's called like, it starts with a G. I don't know the name of it, actually. I'm not even going to try to attempt to say it, but basically it's, it's, it's this idea that these guys can like they can focus. Jay and it's these Jedi is what you're thinking. It's not. I think it's like Gong Shu or like Gong <laughs> Yang. Mm. I don't know. But anyways, the idea is that these uh, these these people can focus their their chi energy into a certain part of their body, and then it allows them to basically do all these crazy feats. Like you know, <laughs> um, they can like you know they'll focus it into their arms, and then people can like you know. They can break metal rods over their arms or they'll yeah. put it on their throat yeah. and then they'll stop a spear from, you know, they can, someone will push a spear in and it'll actually break in half before it goes oh, through. Wow. Right. Right. Oh, we've seen All that with that. like when they were canning themselves. You remember? Oh my God. Have you video? seen that same oh. idea where yeah, they're like Just getting like, punched in the nuts? Yeah. But they're like, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Actually. Okay. This is a side thing. There's actually a really interesting technique <laughs> in in uh, in crane, not crane style, in uh, in mantis style, where you actually suck the testicles into your body. What? Completely Why do you know true. This? That's a thing. Why I watched a YouTube video on it. On it, but anyways, <laughs> um, YouTube. <laughs> there's actually a really there's a really good documentary series on like kung fu and the different styles and whatever, where they they show a guy do that technique. Actually, crazy. So they have this like they have this Western announcer and the guy's like, kick me. And he's like, what? He's like, kick me in the nuts. They're not there right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Mantis style. That's a <laughs> skill. like, oh, my God. Style. Anyways. That's a big skill. Oh, so man. it's a great skill to have. I I don't know. Girls don't know like guys skill with skills. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Where are we? I can't even remember. <laughs> hey, well, you, you want to yeah, come back to my apartment to see magic? what I can do? Like, hey, thanks for having us on. This has been <laughs> This has been great. It's been a great um, time, guys. Okay. No, but it's funny no, that you okay. mentioned... So, um, illuminating. Sorry, just to get back to the whole, like you're saying, like people misconstrue physics for magic. I had an experience, and it was on YouTube the other day. I was watching a video, and it was crazy. It was from this Tel Aviv University, and they were um, demonstrating quantum locking with superconductors. Again, bringing up superconductors. I definitely looked into that a bit. But they were, like, freezing these objects in space. Like, it was yeah, crazy. It was really like, cool. that was magic to me. Like, yeah. I've never seen that in my life. And I probably will never see it in person. But I was, like, totally amazed Quantum by locking. it. Quantum locking. Yeah, and that that's actually... It's neat. it's obviously science. It obviously exists. It was yeah. in a university. Well, so what, <laughs> they were demonstrating it. I guess kind of, kind of where I was going with it... Where I was going with it, rather, was that... Um, a person can believe in something so strongly that to them, what they are doing, because it's been built up in such a way, it is magic right. or it has magical significance, right? So, mm. um, you know, so it's kind of partly like I often wonder, do the people on TV who claim to like see ghosts or be able to talk to passed on li- loved ones or whatever, are have they just actually tricked themselves into thinking that the 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 cues the things that they're picking up about this person that those really are oh. spirit talking to them yeah right? okay and it's the same way here like I wonder if I wonder if he didn't actually believe that he had some magical mm. power I mean again this man is living alone he's living this this monk austere lifestyle right who knows it is a ve- it is very conducive to extreme um, 
kind of religious experience i would imagine yeah that's I mean, a good point yeah you know we know or we know what solitary can, to a degree. well we know what solitary confinement can do to a person after only six hours right it's the same thing here this man might have been going for stretches at a time where he didn't see another human being to me it would not be out of the question to think that he really did buy into his own kind of mythos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. so to me and but i i, I hesitate though to say that he was sort of uh, mentally ill or out of, you know, whatever, right? I hesitate to say that yeah. because, you know, clearly he was focused on doing this, on achieving this thing, but at the same time, it's sort of, um, you know, I would, I, I so I, I wonder, I don't think he was a charlatan. I don't think that he mm-hmm. was... Not a trickster. No, I agree. I, I agree as well. No, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think I think that's the wrong word. I think that he was... I think almost he was tricked. He tricked himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can get right? that. I can yeah. jump on board with that theory for sure. Yeah, I, again, is not not all that different than Disney. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Right. No, no, it's No, honestly, like we 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 hear that a lot with like uh, with other kind of magical ways of thinking or magical cults or whatever. Like people believe that they are so important or so special that. Uh, the world bends to their will, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see it a lot of the times in like cases with serial killers or criminals or whatever, where they're like, you know, well, I just never thought I'd get caught. Or they, you know, things seem to happen and fall into place for them in these weird kind of what appear to be synchronicities, right. but are really just coincidences, right? But it's that over time you build up these coincidences in your, coincidences in your head mm-hmm. into an overall mythos that, you know, well, you know, clear like God really does want me to do this, right? Right? Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. And like, if people there really are is something special, too, then you know, mm. like he's got these people coming peeking through the bushes and stuff like that. And like you mentioned earlier, like I get that, like that would just add into it as well. Mm. And yeah, yeah. And the fact too, yeah. the fact too, that everyone is coming by and being like, "How the hell did you do this?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's and he's thinking like, "Well, there's no, you know, it's almost like uh, it's kind of akin in my mind to like." Uh, someone asks you a really difficult or, you know, you, you guys ever like in school, you study, study, study for a big test. And then you get to the day of the test and the test is super easy yeah. and you leave and you leave and you're like, did I just totally screw that up? Or was that just like an easy hundred? Right. Yeah. It's almost the same way. He's like, you know, he's just, he just knows how to do this stuff from his whole lifetime and doing this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, either these people are really dumb or I'm just like super out of the ordinary. Right. And that's just it. Right. I think and over he time was he just builds super out of the ordinary well, because and he well, the thing is, this is a new country, new people, and perhaps, yeah, this new climate. He's kind of realizing like these people, yeah, they don't really have the yeah, same background. Like he, he really he was, yeah. he really was out of the ordinary. And he was, he was actually in some ways like a genius of stone masonry and construction, right? Like this, we can't take away from the amazingness of what he did, yeah. but. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I just here's an interesting yeah. tidbit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marie. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was go just ahead. gonna say. I have this down in my notes here that I thought was interesting that I forgot to mention earlier. I there's I couldn't find anything to back it up, but supposedly one of the first people he met when he came to the states was Nikola Tesla. And I heard this one. Yeah. And that uh, he, and in New York, yeah, right? Yeah, and that he. Mm-hmm like met with him and they were chatting about just mm. magnets and stuff and that well, he possibly got some of these ideas from Tesla to apply. Hmm. So here's the weird thing is that we did prove that Tesla was in New York at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. 
So could we did prove that? Yeah, like there's there's historical documents saying that he was at X salon or he was at, you know, because it was very well documented about any kind of social event. Right. So it lists the time frames that he that he was a part of it. Any. I other just I just found that so interesting in contrast to like yeah. the stuff that you're saying, Chris, where it's like, and I totally agree with both of you guys, where it's like, yeah, like he could have he created his own mythos of himself in a sense, like just from yeah. the lifestyle mm-hmm. and from the project and from his background potentially mm-hmm. and being jaded or whatever. But then there's like mm-hmm. some of these other elements of like, 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 yeah, obviously like applied physics that's simple, but somehow it's been lost to the everyday person who's mm-hmm. knows regular physics in the 1940s or thirties. We just or have whatever. no need to use it or so no need to use it. Right. So Cause you've got a bulldozer or a crane or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's just still, yeah. it's just still an interesting I- contrast. I think. And yeah, you can, again, I, yeah. it's all, it's all exposition, but like why, you know, him and Nikola Tesla, him and Tesla were both, um, immigrants. Right. They were both right. sort mm-hmm. of antisocial. They were both highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, of course there is no, there's no actual documented anything about no. that. But to me, like that kind of, that's the part of the narrative, like about any of this stuff, I think like Chris and I talk about this a lot. It's like the story is really what's the interesting thing. The science is what sort of gives it gives it context and gives it life. But the story of what he was about and who he was, that's really what is the most to me. It's compelling. That, that keeps people coming back, yeah. especially with yeah. especially with you know when you start to talk about Tesla. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <stuff like> that. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah. The thing the yeah. thing I find fascinating actually with Tesla is sort of the. Um, Death ray. It's the death ray. Yeah, it's the death ray. Oh, no, man, come on. Yeah. There is nothing more interesting than the death ray. That's the next episode, though. Uh, don't get me started on that, you know, but <laughs> the whole, so the idea of that idea, again, like Tesla, if we take every WordPress site with a starry background as true, then Nikola Tesla met with every single major occult figure in the last thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Tesla, beca- Tesla becomes one of these lightning rods of like scientific. Uh, I don't even know what the word is. Kind of like scientific mythology. Yeah. Right? He's, yeah. he's almost become like the modern day Merlin. People view him as this uh, genius and he was a genius. Um, you know, but not in the way that a lot of people think he was. Right. right? And again, it's this sort yeah, of like. But he was the th- there. He was there at the same time. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying. I'm not like, saying actually, I'm throwing up a website with a starry background. I'm just saying. There's a chance. No, 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 no. So you're I'm, saying there's I'm not, a chance. Yes, I might. <laughs> there's a chance. There's a chance. I'm not trying to discount that. I'm not trying to discount that idea. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that, again, it's one of those like. Or of a death right. That's a real thing. Don't discount the death ray. Don't discount the death ray. I don't want to promise. You know what I find? I've actually, the, one of the reasons why I really like this, uh, why I really like this story actually for me personally, is that I see a lot of commonalities in some ways to kind of my own family story. Um, and that, you know, my, so my grandma had a really bad time in Croatia where she grew up. And actually we're not even sure if she really, uh, we know she lived in Croatia, but we have no idea where her parents were from. We think maybe Austria. Like, there's really not a lot of Crazy. story there. And it's because she had such a terrible time um, and just has a lot of bad memories and stuff of kind of her childhood and growing up and it being hard and there being war and everything else. 
And so, you know, when she moved to America in the, um, like the late fifties, early sixties, you know, um, I don't know if my grandma ever met another Croatian. Yeah. You know, she like Hmm. went out of her way to like Hmm. kind of, uh, not talk about that time of her life. Right. Yeah. And it be, it has become its sort of own mythology within my own family of, you know, well, what, you know, what was Nona doing? You know what I mean? Like, what happened? Yeah. Nona right? was like, meeting with Nicholas Tesla. Mu- yeah, well, exa- you know what he I mean? Like, it, be- it, it even in, in our own family, it's become this whole big thing. And so I can only imagine Nona. what how it blows up when a person doesn't even have a family around. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. To kind of normalize yeah. them. All the mystery, or, yeah. Um, you know, he kind of was the perfect in some ways kind of the perfect outcast in American society at the time, right? He didn't have a family. He was a bachelor. He, <laughs> Very uh, eligible you know, bachelor. Mm. Maybe well, not. You know so what old. I mean? Like literally, literally though, like he was a, you know, almost a, uh, he was foreign. He was from a country that a lot of them had probably never even heard yeah, of. Yeah, very true. Right. Um, you he know, had he, a death ray. he had a death ray in his backyard. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So I, I find, I find the story interesting. He I could just love summon it. lightning. <laughs> And he had That's that he stash. Did. He's like one of the few scientists that really could work that stash. Oh, but I'm talking like, about no, Tesla. I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about Ed. Oh, are you? I'm still <laughs> yeah. with Tesla. I'm still all hung up on Tesla. Uh, okay. Anyways. No, Tesla's weird too. I do Anyways. have to say, this has been a really wonderful chat with you guys. Yes, yes indeed. Yes. Fun. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. This has been really cool. Absolutely. Um, we would love to do this again. Yeah. Sometimes, so. Hell yeah. Abs- yes, absolutely. Next time we'll go into Star Wars. Sounds good. And we'll make we'll make Chris name some Sith Lords and see how that <laughs> be like. So Chris, <laughs> awesome. Right. Yeah, I'm teasing. Good. Sounds like a date. I'm teasing him. That sounds good. Well, um, you guys, you know, Chris, do you want to tell him where they can reach us at? Yes, yes. Give all the info, please. You can reach us at uh, www.deathray.org. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can reach us at a, the, a mad scientist, the mad scientist podcast.com. You can find us at mad scientist pod on Twitter or at team giant squid. Mm-hmm. That's squid Ooh, with a Q. Yeah. Uh, that's Marie's <laughs> Twitter handle. You can also always reach us at the mad scientist podcast at gmail.com. And of course you can find us on all of your favorite audio listening devices, platforms, all that good stuff. Our logo is the one with a mm-hmm. jack-o'-lantern. So it's easy to find. Cool. Perfect. Love it. All right. Well, thank you again. And yeah, we look forward to doing it again sometime real soon. Yeah. Talk Mm -hmm. to you guys soon. (laughs) And now for a quick word from our friends over at the Fiercely Altered Perspective podcast. Hi, I'm Quinn. And I'm Ember. And this is The Fat Pod. Also known as the Fiercely Altered Perspective Podcast. Here we take topics and put our own twist on them, giving you another perspective to stories that you know and love, and some you've never heard about, combining our interests, deep research, humor, and storytelling into one complex podcast. Talking heavy on true crime, plus other great topics such as vampires, cults, cannibalism, aliens, conspiracy theories, mythology, folklore, creepy history, and how the hell we haven't managed to completely kill off the human race you can subscribe to us anywhere podcasts can be found simply by searching for fiercely altered perspective be sure to follow us on social media all at the fat pod and join our facebook group the fap lounge to join our discussion threads to give us your perspective on each episode and get a chance to get a shout out on the next show
All right. Well, that was something. That was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Super informative. Those guys are great. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just upping the intellectual level of the conversation. Upping the ante for Into the Portal a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'd Playing so. the rational scientist, too, you know? Well, you know... Skeptical approach. That's why we wanted to bring them on. Yep. Because this is, a, this is an episode that demands science. And yeah. a lot of it is pseudoscience. And a lot of it is stuff that we are completely unfamiliar Noobs. with yeah and <laughs> we have never been exposed to before exactly. a lot of even just the basic terminology so it's nice to have someone clarify like even it's so funny what chris is saying like ceramics are not ceramics <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I'm> just <laughs> that thinking, was eye-opening to yeah, me yeah i'm thinking like, like a coffee cup oh yeah right like when oh, i, I totally hear that was word too. like that's what i'm thinking yeah but interesting nope, definitely not so in science is so because like for, in metal. my mind i was almost like okay well ceramics can do it then limestone can do it you know like it, it, it all makes sense but yeah, it was great though. Right. Like that, yeah. So but at the was, end of the day, okay. I mean, well, yeah. okay. So what you're gonna ask me? What I took from it? Yeah, I guess okay. so. At the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, they're. I mean, obviously, both of them, like we just said, they're 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 leaning towards the the skeptic side, mm-hmm. and I have to tend to agree with them to a certain extent. Like mm-hmm. I think I I think that a vast majority of what Ed accomplished and what has been accomplished in cases like Stonehenge. And the Easter Island heads mm-hmm. walking the uh, the the Why? Malai, mm-hmm. uh, was was physics was was just simple leveraging and stuff like that. But that only I personally feel like that only takes you so far. You know, mm. when when you see it's it's it, I feel like it's kind of like an oxymoron to say that he used simple physics, but for some reason nowadays we don't understand that simple physics. Mm-hmm. right or like some it's people do us. like there we watched videos of people you know a guy who you know he, 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 moved, he, a barn. he moved a barn by himself how right? big like was moved, that like right concrete block these things moved, happen you know? yeah it's just there's aspects of it that i just can't i think there's has to be something else there there's got to be something extra that ed knew to levitate those big ones to make it as perfect as it was i think yeah so, I mean, we're going to get into some of his ideas in a sec, but what did you take away from that? I I tended to agree with basically everything that those two had to say. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like discrediting him and then the achievements of so many civilizations before us, all the, all the ingenuity, all of the technical skills and everything that they would have used without the use of machinery. To think that it's just like it, know, to, to think that something. it is something beyond human capability. Like, and then that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, like we when you start bringing in ancient aliens into the conversation, that's what right. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you as well, though. Like, I feel like this guy. It, it seems bizarre to think that he would devote so much of his life to this project yeah and so much focus on this theory of magnetism right that he supposedly was able to put into practice yeah yeah and i you know and i i got what chris and marie were saying with the point that like well especially chris where he was basically like you know why if you knew if some if there was something beyond just the simple physics physics Mm -hmm. aspects of this Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you have like monetized it or why wouldn't you have brought it to the world? Cause you'd be like making the world such a better place. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, here's my, this is my devil's advocate mm-hmm. hat on for that. And it makes me think like, okay, well, what about 
all the oil tycoons that are going to say no to that, right? Like, there's a reason why green energy hasn't become a thing in our modern times, right? Because there's industries that are making too much money and they stifle it. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect of it, if he was thinking about it that way. Or also just the fact that this guy was a total eccentric. And he's a a non-patriot, too. He's not an American citizen. Yeah, he was a non-patriot. He was living in a friggin' dungeon. He refused to go to war for them. He barely ate anything. This guy, like, he was obviously just, like, an eccentric genius. And... But but eccentric being the optimal word here. He wasn't yeah. making necessarily rational choices, mm-hmm. but he was coming up with supernatural results from what he was doing. Supernatural, especially if you do believe the more fantastical elements of the story, like the anecdote from the truck driver when right. he was transporting Coral Castle or Rockgate or whatever you want to call it. Rockgate. Rockgate. But anyways, yeah. So... Let's talk about magnetism. Let's talk. Let's talk about magnets. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. So <laughs> okay. Ed had bad. a lot That's of bad. ideas regarding magnets. Yes, he, he did. basically had this idea that all matter is made out of individual magnets. So that actually does make sense yes. when you look at the uh, on the atomic level, right? Because we know from what science knows of magnets. Is that... Which isn't everything, which is what Chris talked about. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's still a lot... I know, some stuff. There's a lot of unknowns about gravity and magnets well, that's, still. That's very true. But, yeah. No, like, I saw it, um, that UCLA video that was talking about... Or was it the UCLA video, or was it just the magnets video? I can't recall, but it was a... But it was talking about the atomic level and how at the level of the particle... Yes. The atom, you get a, an actual field... A, t- a toroidal field? Is that what it was called? I think so. Or something like that. And and it's just, it does actually correlate to Ed's ideas. Like, he wasn't far off with that. Right. It's just a matter of when you get to the actual physical level of matter, so a bunch of atoms together. Right. Doesn't always result in the same thing. You can't right. always, yeah. You the thing is, is like this kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. the idea that Ed was possibly able to like you're describing on the mm-hmm. on the on the atomic level, yeah. Manipulate the, I don't like basically the orientation of the electron movement and therefore the magnetic field of each individual particle. Or the the tiny the individual north south pole magnets. Right. Right. He talked a lot about the alternations between the two. Right. And, and that's where I feel like his perpetual motion holder that we sort of loosely touched on with Chris and Marie, which was basically like a horseshoe magnet shaped looking thing that was essentially just like an electro, an electro magnet Mm -hmm. that he was powering Mm -hmm. through his, presumably the the flywheel that we discussed, an electric flywheel. And he called this perpetual motion holder. Now, perpetual motion is something that comes up in like quantum physics when we were looking at particles. Like we watched that one video as well, where it's saying like when you're, are looking at a particle, you are only seeing it viewed in one space, but it is in perpetual motion. Right. Right? And, I mean, I am not a physicist. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but I feel like that, that that sort of makes me think about the ideas that Ed had with perpetual motion in terms of magnetism of individual particles. Mm-hmm. And that he was possibly operating on... It, like it, on quantum theory, right. on quantum physics theories, mm-hmm. he was he was working in the realm of the theoretical and achieving results, possibly, possibly, possibly. 
Possibly. Possibly. It's, it's, yeah. So that's where we're at, really. Like, there's a lot of people that do subscribe to these more, um, how do you want to phrase it? Uh, Supernatural? or Yes. More unbelievable there. aspects. And yeah. it's fascinating. There's so many videos. And we're going to have all of that in our sources. So people can yes. go and browse through there and pick out the ones. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll group them all together. We'll lump them so you guys, it's easy to find. Right. Because <laughs> we're going to have a lot of sources for this one. It's, we kind of went down a few rabbit holes. And a lot of them weren't very helpful. <laughs> it was no, so, it was, it was fun though. I'm so glad that we got to do this and cover one of, yeah, one of my favorite topics really. Like Coral Castle to me is, it's kind of like a pet topic. It's, it's fun. Yeah. I have to go. Like we have to go there. I want to get some photos of us sitting on some of those oh, crazy I chairs. Even, like we, we have to go. Like we have to leave the recording. Oh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <"What?"> <laughs> oh yeah, we're done. See you later. No, See ya. <laughs> we, I really want to go to Coral Castle. Yes. I really, really want to go to Coral Castle. We're going to, well, we got to do the whole Disney World and Coral Castle and whatever sort of crazy roadside attractions. Oh yeah. 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 Let's do it all. Apparently. Yeah. According to Chris and Marie, it's the not so facto state of the u.s well you know and we've seen that watching one of our favorite shows american pickers american pickers they <laughs> always run into awesome yeah characters. they run into some real characters it's always down there. in florida yeah it's an interesting actually place. new mexico is another hotspot too yeah <laughs> for, <that laughs> for just strange things Ooh, shout out american pickers yeah <laughs> mike, mike and frank yeah mike Ooh. and frank frank fritz oh my god <laughs> i love that guy anyways so Okay, but so where are we out here? I mean, I... Any conclusions from you? Any wrap-up? Final ideas? Yeah, like... Final thoughts. Play them out. (laughs) Do it. I guess the the thing for me trying to wrap my head around what Ed could have achieved in in building Coral Castle, you know, it It makes me think of, like, the the Easter Island heads. Makes me think about all these other things that were achieved and they're in a different context. Yeah. Um, so there's different theories as to how they were completed or achieved. Right. But my question is whether or not each one of these individual contexts. So for example, with the Easter Island heads, there's theories that they were rolled on log rollers. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that they used up all their logs and there were no more trees on the Island. And that's one of the reasons they, they couldn't, you know, they, they ran out of food and supplies and they all died off. That's a theory. Yeah. Um, there's another theory because the legend goes that the Maui, heads walked themselves to the ocean yeah and that similar to the tripod kind of thing that ed was using that we still see today like tripods are used for hoisting all kinds well, of things yeah i was just watching that video earlier yeah. with that. Yeah. so sort yeah, of I a see. similar idea to that except instead of outright hoisting it it was basically you know teams of three mm-hmm. um, a team on either side of the head and one on the back stabilizing it with a tripod and you know twisting it and walking these things that weighed 10 tons so they were literally twisting the tripod so the tripod's not quite touching the ground and as they twist it it's almost like it's it's sitting sitting on yes i see i was picturing maybe like um some sort of rope suspending the well it's attached to the to the actual rock head itself as well but Mm -hmm. this is just like yeah it's just like leveraging physics it's just like pull to one side and then pull to another side kind of like what chris was saying with the fridge very exactly Mm -hmm. exactly like that but Again, it's like, okay, in that instance, well, there's like a th- over a thousand of these things. Some of them are... And what was the estimated population of this island? I mean, it was small. It was a tiny population. Yeah. You know, they moved some of these things. There was some that hadn't been erected yet. There was one that weighed 200 metric tons. It just hadn't been completely cut out of the rock right, yet. It was right, only right. partially cut out. Did they intend to ever lift that? I don't know. But if they were, I don't know how simple physics with some 
with some trees and ropes is going to lift a 200 ton block. So there's, it gets us halfway Mm -hmm. to finding out what actually happened. Yeah. And I definitely, I buy into Chris and Marie and I think 90% of it was simple physics and the flywheel and some of the electromagnetic stuff was maybe just a distraction. It's just a side project. Maybe. Could have been. Just an old man puttering around his free time. But at he the end of the day, <laughs> I think I think he did know something. I think he acquired some sort of knowledge. And I mean, there was the whole thing with the Agnes Scuffs, right? Agnes Scuffs was not a real well, person, supposedly. You can take that in a lot Translated of to Innocent Kiss. Is that just a part of his riddles? Very strange. You know, he wrote these books and these... Strange philosophy of yeah. a man. Yes. Uh, you know, and then his... And then the records showed that he was intended to be married to another woman whose father was the leader of a paganist revival in Latvia. George. And, uh, oh, we got George visiting us here for the end of the recording. That's okay. He's famous now. (laughs) He's been on the social media. He's famous now, so it's all good. Cutie. Anyways, sorry. I'm buying into the mysticism, though. He's buying into it. I'm buying into it. I'm still, I'm still on the fence. I haven't, I You're can't decide. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in the middle of the fence. Come on, you gotta, come on. Come on. I just. You gotta pick some, come on. It always comes back to me, for me, sorry, to Ed's feeble stature, his lifelong health issues, and just how he, exactly what you're saying, he is a very eccentric man. We don't know what motivates an eccentric man from Latvia like right. that. I don't know. Right. You don't know. No. Nobody and you don't know knows. what he picked up along the way. And that's just it. And he did spend a lot of time by himself. <laughs> yeah. And Chris, like, he commented on that too and just said, like, he basically created an entire world, a fantasy world that he was living in. But yeah, how much of that is reality and how much is fantasy? Because I mean, he did achieve yeah. something very remarkable. But at the same time, it's like you could say, I mean, like, the monks spend endless amounts of time in... in solitary confinement mm-hmm. you might say meditating yeah perhaps ed achieved some sort of similar meditation i don't know if he was achieving it sitting on a piece of rock but yeah anyway. so yeah i guess that pretty much wraps it up that eh? pretty much wraps it up indeed so we hope everyone enjoyed that it was a special episode and we're really excited because we actually have another exciting announcement <laughs> we're excited about our exciting announcement oh my God. <laughs> um yeah next week we are going to have another cool collaboration with yeah. our friends over at double density podcast super excited for that Woo. yeah we're actually going to do like a bit of a mashup uh canadian tour of weirdness yeah so a whole bunch of stuff you can yeah. count on some ufo stuff some cryptic creatures some haunting some unexplained phenomena all over the map all kinds of goodies yeah we're really excited about that one um yeah so other before than we wrap that, this up we've got uh yeah yeah, no, yeah, I just wanted to say <laughs> thanks for tuning in again and and for the awesome feedback that we got on iTunes and Facebook this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, special shout out to G. Gaspari and Josh. Uh, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate that. And then um, I think you had a little bit. I did indeed. I just wanted to give a shout out to Scott and Forrest from the Astonishing Legends podcast, oh, as yeah. well as Chris Stapps from the Eastern Border, just because uh, their episode really inspired this one. And uh, yeah. we definitely uh, used some tidbits from that. They to, dug uh, up some sweet stuff. To, to so. push the research. So shout out to you guys. You have awesome shows. Make sure you go check them out. And thanks again so much for listening to this episode, you guys. Um, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And go interact on Twitter and Insta with us. We, yes, please. We love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we want to interact with you guys more, so come come chat with us. Yeah. 
All right, until next time, we'll see you next week. Woo!